Hello, and welcome to episode 130 of the Gaming Fix podcast on July 18th, 2020. I am your host, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite file format. I am joined today by Alex. Hi, uh, I'd be a flack. Lossless, baby. Gotcha. Allison. Uh, for a brief point, I thought you were indicating that we were renaming the podcast to The Gaming Fix. And yeah. I was very, very confused. <laughs> I was like, is this a reboot? I was like, well, I didn't know we were rebranding. Okay. Um, Pat. It'd be a .rar file so that you have to go through a lot of really frustrating stuff to get access to me. But Ooh. once you do... Only the best things come in RARs. <laughs> That's true. Nothing bad has ever come in a RAR file. <laughs> well, I mean, there could be bad stuff in any file format. And that beautiful laugh, uh, my favorite person this week, joining us once again, Erica. Hell. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Pat just made me upset about those fucking RAR files, though, I'll tell Why? you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did it just dig up some... Shareware to unlock it. Um, nothing <laughs> no, wrong it's, it's with Win, WinRAR. Yeah, you can use WinRAR. It just nags you. It's like, oh, upgrade yeah. me, but it'll still work. Yeah, yeah, but like, it's like shareware in that you're supposed to pay for it at a certain point. But don't tell me what to do constantly. I'm mad about it. <laughs> you get like seven zip or something. Does seven zip work on WinRAR files? I don't even know. I don't know. Yes, it does. I use it. I okay. opened a 7-zip file recently, and I don't remember what it was, but I had to use that program. 7-zip wow. kicks big butt. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, I like, lots of, um, like, when I was a kid, not pirated a video game in a very long time, <laughs> but a lot of, like, cracked <laughs> video games and stuff uh, came in our files, and so it was, it was always fun things. Either it was going to melt your computer or you were about to play Grand Theft Auto Vice City, baby. <laughs> baby. Well, speaking of playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City, we played video games this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I played a lot yeah. of video games this week. Yeah, me too. I, I, played, on Thursday. I played two video games this week. But I played uh, more video games than what I brought, but I only listed some of them because... You don't want to be here all day. I could be here all day. What else do I have to do? Play more video games, really. I have a workshop for my teaching license, so I have to leave at some point. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, we'll start with you, Erica. What have you been playing? Oh no, I have plenty of. I want you to. I want you to give us the rundown on everything you've played since you were last on the podcast. Oh boy! Oh god! We'll be. We will be here all day. Yeah, I don't think that that's possible um a lot of planet zoo um <laughs> that's Hell been yeah. fun planet zoo's good yeah it i don't good. have much to say about it except that i used to like zoo tycoon a lot and this is similar in all the right ways um <laughs> but um no so whatever I, I, I don't know should i talk about where i've been first or what i've been playing first <laughs> you do you yeah okay. whichever one you think makes more sense um Okay, I'll talk about well, where I've been. Um, 
and uh, why I've taken a long-ass hiatus, um, which (laughs) is mostly that I... My hands don't work the same anymore, (laughs) and I can't play video games the same way anymore. And because of it, I had a lot of weird put on to me only like by myself uh, issues about it and not feeling like I, I don't know, not feeling the, the... I don't know how to say this without sounding like it's like a huge pity party. <laughs> like, like I got very oh, depressed sucks. about the fact yeah. that like my hands don't work the way that my brain wants them to work all the time anymore. Oh. And yeah. you know, it's, it sucks and it's hard. Um, my thumbs lock up all the time. Um, and I drop stuff constantly now. <laughs> um, and now I have like all these big fat chunky pens that I've been buying because I can't hold things anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it's, it's getting better. It's partially that um, not getting better in my hands. I should say it's getting better for me to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. And that I don't feel like I am no longer capable of talking about games because yeah. I can't play all of them anymore. <laughs> um, it's okay. It's been fine. It's been something I had to get over a little bit, um, but I have a great therapist. <laughs> um, I also have a great husband. Um, and I just feel like it's... I'm just learning to interact with games differently and play different types of games than I normally would. I can't do anything that requires an extreme amount of dexterity. Um, and I think that previously I spent a lot of time uh, being very upset about it. And also, I, I mean, I've talked about on the podcast before the me playing Celeste with uh, accessibility controls and like feeling like I really needed to justify my use of like an extra jump, <laughs> which is really goofy and ridiculous but also you know when you see the these people these people some people writing uh things about how it's not uh it's no longer the same game if you need to use accessibility controls and you know that for some reason I shouldn't play it because I can't play things without you know a little extra help um which feels bad (laughs) And I used to take it a little more personally than I do now. Um, and it's it's something that I'm working on. Um, finding some... I, I, like, remapping controls has been helpful. Um, I've been trying to play less, fewer PC games um, because the having my... Th- finger out for like the space bar and like retract, retracting it in that way my my thumb is very painful over time and it locks up a lot um so i've been playing with controllers um the switch has been uh a, like a life set like a, it's saving my life because i've just been like i've been like able to hold it in all kinds of different ways just the way that 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 console is uh set up like I've been able to kind of um oh you know what let me talk about super liminal so <laughs> I've been playing super liminal <laughs> and oh I played it and I played the majority of it flat on my desk like leaning over it 
it with like and like you know b- switching between using my thumbs on the uh, the sticks and like using my palms on it, which has been a weird but fun way to play that game. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that I think that uh, that not enough people take into account that you know maybe you might need accessibility controls for things other than this game's too hard. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, it's old news, but I remember getting tight about Cuphead (laughs) back when Cuphead was out. (laughs) And uh, and it seems like it's getting a lot better. It seems like The Last of Us 2 has some great accessibility controls from what I've heard, but I also super don't want to play that game for a lot of other reasons. (laughs) But I'm glad to see that it seems like it's getting better and it's only getting better. So hopefully, uh, you know, there will be more options for me in the future. (laughs) Has there been any particular accessibility feature that you found like you know really valuable that you wish were in more games or like in some game you have tried that like totally changed it for you um not yet (laughs) it's more like i have to it's more having a variety for me because if i start doing the same repetitive movements all the time Mm. that's usually when my my fingers decide they don't want to do what i want them to do anymore um or, you know, having the, the option to switch how I'm holding things uh, is just really helpful at this point. Um, mm. it, remapping is, is nice, but it's not always super helpful to me just because it's still kind of more or less the same stuff. <laughs> it's just on different buttons. Um, but yeah, like for me, it's more that I, I'm finding new ways to hold stuff and... Um, Finding different, like, I, I don't know. I'm very interested in Allison's, like, chunky Joy-Cons now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was actually just going to, like, well, hey, ask about Hey, this is a family that. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I really want some of those chunky Joy-Cons also. Are they the, no, the I the love them ones? so much. Uh, so in case you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, I bought Joy-Cons that are basically like a pro controller, but up for Joy-Cons. Are um, they heavy? No, no, they're fine. Okay. I also like like I find it easier to play with a controller than a mouse and keyboard right now, but um I my Xbox controllers are very heavy <laughs> to me. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um it might be heavy. The the thing is is that it might be heavy since like it it makes the switch a little bit more cumbersome, but I can, you know, I can But if you can like prop it up or anything, it's yeah. not it doesn't add too much heft. I can kickstand it. It's fine. Do they have analog sticks that are closer to, like, um, Xbox or PlayStation analog sticks? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's, cool. that's a that's actually a big part of why I bought them was because I was like I was just really done with uh, yeah. Joy-Con drift. In, so in playing more Switch, uh, when I I fell off my exercising routine, but getting back to it next week and playing Switch a lot on the bike was like the joysticks on them, the analog sticks just don't feel good to me at all. And I realized that like maybe part of my ire around the switch is that literally nothing about the, like the buttons and the sticks feel good to me. Um, the thing that I think is great about switch controllers is probably one of the reasons why it's, it's helpful for you, Erica, is that I like that you can take them off and then just yeah. like when you're playing in docked, you can just like wave them around and have them wherever. And, and, and like, that's good, but I don't like the buttons or the sticks. Yeah. 
The one thing I'll say is that this uh, that um, the ones I got, and I don't know if there's any others that are different. Um, the ones that I got don't support motion control or like being separated from the switch at all. That's, Do you have yeah, to play? The, yeah, and then they also don't have um, rumble. But it's like also I think I got mine for like forty bucks or yeah. So it's like cheaper than getting a set of Joy Cons, anyways. So are yeah. they? They they're the Hori ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are the ones I think they released as part of alongside Deus Ex Machina. Yep. Um, yep. And yeah, those seem good. Yeah, yeah. And, no, they're they're really good. I I recommend them if you guys are like like me, where I like I uh, I have like a Switch Pro controller, but I play my Switch most often undocked and yeah. handheld. So yeah. Um, also, because my TV is broken now. My cat, oh, my cat broke it. Oh, no. <laughs> I really want to run my computer tower because I've been getting heating issues that I'll talk about later uh, on my desk instead. But I'm terrified that even though it's extremely heavy, um, my cat will knock it over and then <laughs> the motherboard will snap and it'll all be a mess. They will find ways. How did your cat yeah. find a way, Erica? Oh, God. I don't even know, really. It's like, I mean, I saw it happen, but I just, I guess it's a fragile TV. Um, and uh, he got scared by something outside and ran headfirst into the TV. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> and now no. there's like a giant stripe down the side where oh, his head hit. And <laughs> And it doesn't Caps turn okay, on. Like right? it turns on for like a second, and then it shuts right back off. So no. yeah, the, the cat does. The cat's okay. The cat's, yeah. <laughs> he's about as okay as he's ever been. So nope. okay, just want to leave the view, uh, listeners with that. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not. He didn't actually hurt himself, um, or I don't believe he did. <laughs> he just kind of shook it off and then went about the rest of his day. Um, and I went about being devastated that my expensive TV is now broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. That's. <laughs> oh, cat. Cat was like ripped to the TV, but I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My cat was laying on his window perch that's like, I guess, like three normal windowsill height off the ground, three feet ish. And uh, he. Um, I looked over and saw that his. Most of his body was hanging off of the the perch while he was asleep, and uh, if I had been of more sound mind, I would have fixed that and moved him. But in my head, for some reason, I was just like, "You should, you shouldn't lay like that." And then I looked back at my computer, and then about two minutes later, I heard a loud thunk, and then he oh, no. went. Sleep like that. He was fine. Uh. <laughs> we have like kind of tall window sills because uh, we have a basement apartment, and so we have like those little half windows. I've sent yeah. Alex a picture of this before, but there's a lot of like scratch marks like yep. around my window sill from when that cat, uh, the same one, misses all the time <laughs> trying to get up, <laughs> trying to make it to the window sill. So there's a lot of like. You know, a couple of claw marks in the paint <laughs> under it now. Mm. Wow. My, my cat that liked to climb up high was always very graceful. I don't think I saw him miss much until he later in life, he went blind. And then he mm. was like, you know, trying to take a swipe at the new dog and just not even close, not even the same <laughs> direction. <laughs> But he he showed that dog who was boss. He's like, hey, I run things. I will attack you at a moment's notice. 
I, I, might, I miss, might not hit you, but I but will attack. Sometimes I'll hit you, and you won't <laughs> Don't want get those too close. To happen. <laughs> exactly. Over. Yeah. The dog just wanted to play, but the cat didn't know. That's so good. Yeah. But, but but Erica, yeah. Did did Superliminal also have cat scratch marks all up the walls and windows? Uh, no. There are some cool windows in that game, though. <laughs> <laughs> Should it be called Super Windowl? Uh, there's not that. <laughs> Did you briefly turn on your your, your audio thing, Andre? No, no. I'm just am I just going robot-y? No, it sounded like you put on the auto tuner. No, no, cool. I just talk like that now. Yeah. So super liminal. Um, have any of you played it? Because it came out. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, but sure. I, I really would like to play it. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, it came out last year. Um, I didn't hear about it because I was wrapped up with work, um, which unemployed now so I can play video games again. <laughs> so, unemployed club. <laughs> so, so Superliminal is, it, I f- thought it was really fun. Um, it's very, it's very much like if Soma and Portal had a baby and it was not as good as either of those two games, but it's, yeah, that sounds about right. Is it scary? Um, it can be a little lightly spooky, but it's not oh, really like scary, scary. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm talking more like the beginning of Soma, gotcha. Gotcha. not really the, the rest of the game <laughs> um, or less of the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, it, it was more that I thought the puzzles in that game are really fun and like working with like optical illusions and, you know, and and perspective and all of that was really, really fun. I, I really like the way that they vary it throughout the game. But the story is kind of tired in that game. <laughs> it's sure. like it it didn't really bother me. It was kind of more like, oh, it's one of these, you know, but like aren't we all it, kind of tired? Like uh, can give the game a break. Come on. Yeah. Like and you know what? Honestly, the fact that I had so much fun with the puzzles in that game and figuring them out and trying to have, you know, that that that's just that's my shit, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff a lot. Um, but. The, so I was kind of willing to look beyond uh, the really sleepy story <laughs> that sure. was going on in the middle of it. But it was just more that it was like, oh, okay, all right, we're doing this, I guess. And it, there's also like a lot of... The beginning of that game makes you think it really wants to be Portal in the most aggressive way. There's like a fake GLaDOS kind of voice going on through Mm. a lot of it. And it's, it's just really like, okay. All right. Those are some big, some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Like, 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 is that really the puzzle game that you're like, you really want to draw direct comparisons to? Cause it really was very, very strongly trying to give you portal vibes. Cause quantum conundrum totally nailed it. Uh, well, that was at least people who worked on Portal, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think I played Portal... a game called Light Matter, and that game was like making direct references to Portal, and like even had like a Portal Century in it, and it's just also, like it's it, not it's, as good. It, Portal still, I'm not. I mean, Portal has aged very well. I think I'm not taking anything away from Portal, but I think a lot of the like humor and 
writing in that game, as soon as you remove it from the context of that game, even when I hear people reference it, like who aren't even, they're just saying it out loud. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, I think I'm just. Yeah. And I don't know why it works so well in the game. And then you like hear somebody else say it and you're like, no, 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 no. But I don't ever need to hear the end credits (laughs) song of Portal ever again in my life again. Well, I feel like that was tired back. Like, like there was a, there was a point where like my friends in college and I, we were like singing it around together. Yeah. And it was like, that was in like 2011, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 2012. So it was like, it's, 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 it's done. But I mean, it's, I think it still works in the game. The cake cake is back. Everything is cake. The cake is. is Yeah, that's true. I will say that. (laughs) The, the dovetailing of that with that meme has been very funny. But like when you go to, I mean, last year was the last PAX that will ever happen probably. But um, like even at last year's PAX, you know, I would hear people say the cake is a lie out loud as I walked past groups. And I was just like, Ooh, stop it. <laughs> Don't do that. Play something else. <laughs> but, but but so Erica, I have a question yes. for you cuz I yeah. I also finished Superliminal probably last yeah. sometime last year. Mm-hmm. Did you also find the puzzles incredibly repetitive? Um I felt like they they switched it up enough for me eventually. Like I hear you that yeah, it can get really repetitive um especially at the beginning. I think the first half of that game is much weaker than the rest of it. Um but and the, and it's also very short too, that I feel like it kind of yeah. didn't overstay its welcome because it's only like two or three hours long. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you on that. Um, but I did feel like the ones that were more creative um, or or the ones that like I, I didn't get immediately how to do it and now I just need to line things up right. You know, like the I'm thinking specifically of the one with... Uh, the fan and that ramp and the apple. Um, (laughs) So like that, that one, uh, you know, it took me a little longer to do that one and I didn't figure out immediately what it was that I was supposed to do. And so I kind of found some of that stuff interesting and, and the way that you interact with some of the things start changing um, later on. Uh, And I don't know, to me, it it didn't, it's to me, it didn't bother me. (laughs) Fair enough. I assume it bothered you, would you? (laughs) What are your takes on it? (laughs) I thought it was okay. I I didn't think it was a bad game, but I didn't like it. Didn't blow my socks straight off of my feet onto the wall, through the wall, into the neighbor's apartment. Like it was, it was fine. (laughs) That's a high standard to have for a game, Alex. Though. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Has any game ever done that to you? Yes, my neighbors do not like me. Yeah, but like I that, yeah, that's why you've had to keep like moving. A, like something yeah. hit the wall, and they're like, "Oh, here we go again." <laughs> Alex is playing games. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, Shit, Trackmania is playing again. <laughs> yeah, like I think with with Superliminal, it's it it didn't it was repetitive, and it does uh, this. But I feel like the fact that that they're shoving that story that specific story down your throat the whole time um, that it like oh, that message. I just was like, oh, all right, whatever. Just let me do the puzzle. What's his know? name? Dr. Pierce or something. I can't even remember. Yeah. This yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that I was just not 
here for that yeah. at all. But I also... Yeah, but even if the puzzles <laughs> are repetitive, it seems like such a cool concept with the kind of perspective shifts and everything. Yeah, and um, I really had yeah. fun with it, too. You know, I went back with, like, I went back to do some of, like, the collectible things that there are to find um, just because I enjoyed messing with perspective in that game. It's fun. Um, that stuff is fun. Just ignore the whole story. <laughs> All Sometimes right. you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, ignoring the story, <laughs> what? I, I don't, I don't. Ghost <laughs> Recon Breakpoint. Oh no, really? <laughs> There's. I don't know. I made the segue. I had to follow through. <laughs> I mean, there. It's there's not really even a story to ignore in Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Nailed uh, it. Which is. Um, a game that I checked out briefly last year, did not particularly enjoy, enjoyed for like a little bit and then quickly fell off of, but, uh, a friend of my, in my kind of gaming friend group, there's one, we played Wildlands quite a bit, which has, uh, an horrifically bad and problematic story, um, which is awful and everyone hated, but it was also a four player co-op open world shooter which is something that is fun to play with a group so we played it um and just basically skipped all the cutscenes and turned the dialogue off uh but uh one of the the dudes in the group has been um wanting to play breakpoint for a long time and i was like it's not as good it's not very good the gameplay is not very good um because largely like i don't know if you if anyone remembers, but they put loot in that game, which was like every Ubisoft game at this point. Yes. And it <laughs> made it basically like the division, but with a different map, like, like every Ubisoft game at this point. Yeah. But I mean, at least like, <laughs> at least like far cry has a different tone and it's first person, you know, whereas this like every was Tom like, Clancy game at this point. Yes. This was like more or less like at launch, it was like the division. I mean, you could have, Breakpoint could have been a division sequel. Um, not a very good one, but it could have been a division sequel. Um, and so, but it was free this weekend and then it's on sale for a bunch off. So I was like, fine, I'll re I'll download it on PC and play some with everybody. So they, but they actually did a cool thing in that game now where um, they have a mode called immersive mode that you can turn on from the start. And um, like the first thing it does is pop this menu. And what immersive mode does is it takes away all of the loot shit so nothing has a gear score anymore you just pick up a gun and it's a gun and you can still do certain upgrades to it and you can put different attachments on it but it's much more like modern warfare than breakpoint wasn't originally where every gun has a stat line um and then they're just different they feel different and they work differently and it's way more fun that way because i don't care I go into places and fight guys. I pick up the two, I pick up a, you know, pair of pants that is cosmetic only. And I get a new blueprint for a gun that now I can pull this gun at the shop whenever I want. And what's cool is you can play it. So I have two friend, two of the friends that I'm playing with really, really, really love the like, Oh, I got a, I got a green gun. I got a blue gun. Oh, it's a purple P90. They love that shit. So they can play with it set to on. So they're picking up loot and stuff 
while the other friend that I'm playing with and I who don't want to do that can have it off. And so for us, then it just is like a ghost recon game. And it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, when you remove that stuff, at least for me, the game becomes a lot more enjoyable um, because it's more about like just the combat and setting up a gun build rather than running around and picking up loot like every other video game that Ubisoft and any more like anyone makes. Yeah, um, but like being able to turn that off just shows how unnecessary the system I might agree, be. For sure. <laughs> um, and they already turned it off for PvP. So I think because they have a PvP mode that's kind of like the Crucible and Destiny where like they turn off all the gear score stuff. So I think they just ported that over and used those base stat lines for the PvE. <laughs> um, I don't have any idea like how the math works out on it. Like if my friend has a legendary P90 and I'm having I have my no gear score P90. I don't know how it would line up if we both shot the guns side by side, but it doesn't matter, especially in Ghost Recon, because it. Your your damage stat on a gun could be the lowest in the game. If you hit someone in the head, it still kills them. Because Ghost Recon is like the realistic one, which is not true. <laughs> but but it's in terms of its damage model, like you shoot enemies and they go down in like two shots. So and if you hit them in the head, it's always one. So it doesn't the stats don't really matter that much anyway. What, um, if, what if you shoot them in the booty? I don't know. I, I think they probably have quite a bit of padding there. Um, I mean, but in Medal of Honor uh, on the PS2, when you shot them in the balls, they like grabbed their crotch and then they fell yeah. over. So yeah. I would hope that in 2020 we have that kind of technology still. I don't know. I'll try to take some more crotch shots. I haven't really focused on that. I'm playing as a sharpshooter, so I mostly aim for the head, but uh, which is well, not how real sharpshooters yeah. operate. But yeah, <laughs> so I've played Sniper enough. Elite. I know how real sharpshooters <laughs> operate. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it was fun. We played it for like four hours last night, and that it has a cool map. Um, and so, if you don't know, they traded their extraordinarily offensive drug cartel storyline that got the entire country of Bolivia justifiably upset at Ubisoft for a narrative where it's like an island off, I think, off the coast of South America, but where it is really doesn't matter because it has nothing to do with the land masses around it. It's where the, there's like like. Go, Steve go, Livia. Types. It's called Aroa, not Aurora. Aroa. Uh, is, is is Wayne from Wayne's World there? Whenever, whenever your character, uh, I'm playing as the masculine avatar. Whenever your character says Aroa, it sounds like they're trying to say Aurora, but they can't put the word together, <laughs> and it makes me laugh wow. every time because their voice is like this, and they have like it's like just a tiny bit of Southern twang to their accent. And they, they're like, we came to a raw. You can't quite get it you out. Can't quite get the second R in there. I get it. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. That game is structured so weird because they set it up. Like it's going to have this big narrative with John Bernthal's character as the bad guy and stuff. But like, I, I, I played the opening part to get to the first social hub, which that game has. Uh, and then stopped playing. So my, my, fr- I could play with my friends and then I jumped on, they had been playing for a little bit. So I jumped into their game. It just dropped me in the world next to them. And I didn't see a single cutscene or like real bit of dialogue other than like, we're trying to take this encampment. Uh, that was like the only thing anyone said for like four hours. So I have no idea. And we were ostensibly doing missions. I don't know. Like 
there was a faction meter going up. So like, I don't know what the deal is with the, the, the missions in that game, but it's certainly fun to just like, it's like this huge map that's just littered with little spots to fight people. So we would just get in cars and drive to the next place where there were people and then kill them and then go to the next place with people and kill them. And along the way, pick up new pants. So (laughs) it was fun to do that and drink a few beers and chat and stuff. Um, and then at the end of the night, after two of them went to bed, another buddy and I, uh, did some more like sneaking intensive missions that were actually pretty intense where if you got seen, then they would kill the civilians that they had captive. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the, the immersive mode stuff is definitely, if you already have that game, cause you made the mistake of buying it last year. Um, and, um, want to, and, and like might want to try it again. I think the immersive mode stuff is really interesting. Um, they also added the ability to just totally change like everything about the experience of playing that game. Like you can make it. So it at launch, it had the ability to turn off mission markers. So you had to use um, like uh, descriptions like, Oh, it's tallest mountain at the top of the tallest mountain on the Island. And then you had to figure out where that was. You could do that or turn on, um, uh, objective markers. So they still have that, but now you can do things like you can have a full UI that gives you a mini map or all the way down to no UI at all, where you're not getting anything, but like not even, I don't even, I think you can even turn off the ammo count in your gun. You can change the difficulty so that it's enemies detect you faster and deal more damage. You can change the tactical difficulty so it takes the number of weapon slots you have down, the number of bandages you have down, and like whether it throws away ammo in that's left over in the magazine when you reload. Um, so there's all these different settings, and they only affect your your experience. They don't affect your co-op partners at all. Um, so they just have done a very good job, I think, in allowing you to customize how... like You can even customize whether you can get new weapons at bivouacs which are the little encampments you make to kind of like prep in the field and set up for missions you can make it so like when you're you can only pull new weapons and vehicles when you're at uh the one of the social hubs or you can set it that you can just get them at the bivouacs like you can in the normal gear score mode so i think it's neat that they they did all that and kind of like made it so customizable Ubi is really adept at taking a game that started pretty rough and then putting a lot of time into it afterwards. Yeah, I think their games have really long tails because, like, I, I haven't purchased it yet, but I'll probably pick it up in this sale. I'm playing the free free weekend, um, but it's we're having enough fun, and like, it has like raids and stuff at the high end, um, and so we would like to see that stuff and it's fun to explore. So I think that that's how their games work is they sell well on a longer at a, over a longer period of time than most games uh, from most publishers. And like, they're still doing live events. Like there's a cool one right now, where if you do all these new missions that they added, I think they're new. Anyway, you get a um, laser designator where you can like designate a missile to strike and stuff, which is like materially cool in that game. Uh, so yeah, I think they just do a good job of supporting stuff for a long time. All right. Well, uh, let's see what next on our list. I'm going to give Pat Gamer's Choice uh, for what he wants to talk about next. Well, I think we should move from one ghost to another because it's the other thing oh. that I have uh, the most opinions on. Uh, 
Trek media. Uh, the, the, there are the ghosts. Ghost you the are ghost racing ghosts in, ghosts in yeah. uh, Trackmania. It's um, true. I, I and honestly, Trackmania is more. Alex mentioned more Trackmania for for stuff that he had been playing, and I played more Trackmania as well. That game is very good. I don't have a lot of thoughts. We could talk about it more if Alex has thoughts. But um, in terms of uh, of Ghosts of Tsushima, uh, <laughs> that is uh, it's a pretty cool game. I played about I think like five hours of it yesterday. Um, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit when it opened. I also finished last of us earlier this week, which we'll talk about more in a spoiler capacity later on. Um, but like, despite coming away with, um, pretty negative feelings on the story of last of us, like that game's production value and, um, like, like just the little things in it are so good. Like little things like when you're next to someone else and you walk up to a, a piece of cover the way that the characters like reach over each other to like take cover and stuff. And just like when you go prone, the way it feels to move around, it's that game. Last of us is just like so well made from that perspective. So starting ghosts of Tsushima was funny because I was like, Oh, Oh, I'm playing a video game. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it like it opens on like a scene with a bunch of uh, samurai charging invading mongolian armies on a beach and it's like almost isometric in its camera angle as you're fighting them and you're just like mashing the square i turned it up to the highest difficulty um and you're just kind of in that opening sequence you have no ui you're just kind of smashing the square button to kill like dynasty warriors tons of mongolian troops and i just was like maybe this game's bad uh because it's not very good um but it's really it's kind of rough in its opening you know hour maybe um but then once you kind of get into the open world it feels significantly better uh and and i think it's very much an assassin's creed like very very much mm-hmm. if, you, if you like assassin's creed and not even necessarily like the newest assassin's creed it's kind of like playing like old assassin's creed um you're a fan of those games, though, right, Pat? Me? Like, yeah, for sure. You're kind um, of selling me on this, to be honest. <laughs> I honestly think you would probably like it, Allison. Um, it It's because it is... It's super, super, super video gamey in every <laughs> single way. Like, I really can't drive that home enough, because it, it's, it's like, there's... It's so funny to me that they do so much to reference Kurosawa, who... Mm-hmm. I have heard like more modern takes on some of his works to maybe not be as positive in terms of like some political elements of, of his films. But like I watched seven samurai Thursday kind of waiting for it to, to unlock. And like that film is so perfect in so many ways. And the idea that not, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing, bashing on sucker punch here. Cause I think that this, you know, I should reiterate, I'm having a lot of fun with this game. I think it's really good. But the idea that, this game is like evoking Kurosawa in any way is kind of ridiculous. Um, it's a big, like again, another more big shoes to fill. Like yeah, it, it, it's like if, if rockstar put like a, a um, Godfather mode or something in GTA. Oh, you mean Godfather the game? <laughs> well, the Godfather game. I mean, that's kind of a good example, right? Like the Godfather game, which is actually better than you would think it is is absolutely not 
approaching the quality level of one of the greatest films of all time, right? Like, come on. <laughs> and the same can be said of Ghost of Tsushima. So I think it's kind of funny. Were I someone at that studio, I would have been like, hey, maybe we shouldn't call it Kurosawa mode because maybe that's punching a little bit above. Well, well you know, <laughs> in Japan, in Japan, they call black and white movies Kurosawa because Kuro is black and Sawa is probably white or some shit. So, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing that the people who made shit. the decision at Sucker Punch to call this mode that probably heard that and then were like thinking I, I wish I could claim that joke as my own as someone on Twitter I don't have the oh. actual original <laughs> okay. still. It's, it's a very it's, good it's too one good to not to leave on the table uh, yeah, yeah. They, it's it's just it's because and it's not even as I'm playing more of it there's actually like I would say genuinely good story stuff in there so the, one of the things the way the game structures it's um it has like main quests and side quests and they call them like um, sagas and tales, I want to say. Um, S- and the tales, <laughs> the tales, oh. it's like tales of Miles Prower. Is oh, you, you've got a sword. You, the sword oh. is made of steel. Okay. Is it cold? Ghost trails of, of cold steel. This Ghost. is Trails of Cold Steel 4. I hate this. Um, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, and Tsushima and Knuckles. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the tales are like, um, they're side quests, but like the one that I, there's a, there's a archer character you meet and it's like, it's the most video game stuff, right? So you have to, the game kind of opens and I'm not going to talk about any spoilers, but I don't even know how I would spoil it because the story is so thin so far that there's not really much to spoil, but there's a thing you got to go do obviously. And there's these characters that are like, Oh, you need to recruit these characters. And it's clear that they're going for a, like seven samurai kind of like, oh, you have to recruit your samurai cadre to build to up go. the Avengers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but of course, it's like one of the people you have to recruit is a master archer. Where do you think you're going to get your bow? Uh, <laughs> so it's and it's like, oh, this one does this. This is this one's going to give you this thing. And it's sort of is silly. The archer played by uh, oh, uh, Jeremy Renner. Uh, is, is it big the cat? Um, One thing I will say is uh, on that note is that all of the the voice cast for both the English and Japanese. I'm playing with Japanese dialogue, which is weird because it's synced to the English VO. The lip syncing, which is, is bad. Is, is, that's is bad, it, bad, bad. That was a bad it, decision that they made. Um, is, is it voiced by John Benjamin? No. What I was going to say is at least all of the English and Japanese cast uh, is is my in my understanding. Um, they're either Japanese or Japanese American actors at the very least. Uh, so at least they weren't casting white people yeah. in the roles of Japanese uh, characters. What? Yeah. And uh, the performances uh, are very good too. Uh, mm. At least in Japanese. Apparently the Japanese localization is like amazing too. Yeah. Uh, that is like, uh, it's gotten pretty good reception here in Japan. Uh, yeah. yeah. At least from I the saw, mainstream uh, sources like Famitsu. Mm-hmm. That's, and the stuff I saw was mostly about the, like the localization and like, Oh, they used old style Japanese really well. And they like yeah. it. Nothing sounds weird, which they kind of tend to expect in American Western games coming to Japan. It's uncommon for there to be a super great localization. And so the, I think this game has gotten a lot of pat like passes on some of the more like historical stuff. I saw one that was like, I, I don't know about the history stuff, but the, the localization is good. 
I have largely seen, I think it's interesting and I'm certainly not qualified to speak on it. uh, And I'm in no way making a, like a bad faith argument here. I have seen a lot of non Japanese and non Japanese American people critically criticizing the history elements. Um, because there's things like there's haiku in this game. Haiku was not invented at the time that this game takes place. There are katana in this game, which were not invented at the time this game takes place. So like it certainly is not fully historically accurate. I wonder it's an interesting, really difficult to navigate conversation, I think, because um, like historical inaccuracy is probably to be expected from this game to some extent. Um, and so I think it's interesting the way that like the Japanese press has responded to it versus the way that some press here has been really critical of those aspects. Uh-huh. And I certainly wouldn't say anyone in the equation is wrong to be critical or not critical in those ways, but mm-hmm. it is a really interesting, larger critical conversation yeah. around the, well, the authenticity. You, you look at like Assassin's Creed and the shit they pull with like yeah, historical yeah. stuff. And, I, and I'm like, trying to be careful because I don't want to just laugh equate, about it. So yeah, I don't just want to equate like to some extent, Jeff, this is more recent and this game's what this game is talking about historically has had, I think, a more material impact on modern history, perhaps, than um, going to ancient Greece. In not that there haven't been ripples through time, of course, but like that's, I think, people are slightly more disconnected from that. So I can understand mm-hmm. um, why I don't want to just say that those two things are the same, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I think there's a point to be made there as well. Um, I mean, you look at like any of the Assassin's and, Creed games well, and, and the characters they have and particularly like the, the Assassin's Creed games that look at more recent history in some place yeah. like here, um, which is it's still not Ubisoft is not an American company and no. they were making games about American history. So I, I think it's important to be critical, but I also think it's important to kind of like um, look at appropriation as a more holistic thing, too. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't necessarily, it's such a challenge because like you could argue that because it was a largely white studio that made this game, American white studio that made this game, that it's appropriative for them to even choose this subject at all. But I would say that I think that it's done with reverence and respect. In some ways, it's problematic the ways in which it was done with reverence and respect because it is showing a reverence and respect for a feudal system that was um, horrific for the people living under it. Um, which is a challenge that I don't think they were considering when they wrote this game. Like I think they're playing into the samurai fantasy, which is very different than the samurai reality, which is like people with brutally keeping peasants under their thumb. However, it does still make nods to that. Like the, the story that I've now kind of found very interesting is about, this archery teacher. And if you want some light spoilers, you know, skip ahead five minutes, uh, or if you don't want light spoilers, skip ahead five minutes. Um, but this is very early in the game. Um, you learn that he, he's a samurai archer who, uh, took a peasant on as a student and she ultimately, uh, turns on him and the characters have some frank discussions. Like the rest of the story is kind of about her, helping the Mongols to take, to take this village and you're kind of working against her. And it's a pretty drawn out 
story. It's actually kind of cool how much time they give to this thing that you would think would be kind of a minor side story. It's probably a couple hours of missions that you do around it. And they do talk about like the reasons why a peasant would revolt against like a samurai teacher and stuff. And they're, they try to kind of have those conversations, but I think this is one of the places where they, what they, they saw a movie like seven samurai, which initially appears to be a film about samurai saving the poor people. When really what it's about is how samurai are as guilty for the, the plight of peasants and farmers at the time as the bandits that they're fighting. Um, and the ending of that movie is like one of the main characters saying, one of the main samurai characters saying, we didn't win this, the peasants won. And like, that's kind of the point. And it seems like they saw that, said, wow, that's powerful, but didn't necessarily quite grasp the message there. And instead are just transposing that idea onto their story rather than really working to understand that. Because at the end of the day, you're still then after the mission's done going to a gift altar in a town where all the peasants have gathered their, their possessions for you to take from them <laughs> to like help your quest, which is like weird. Um, <laughs> and so it, it's that stuff is like tricky, but I think the thing that is makes this game one that I think people who like Assassin's Creed style games should play is just that it plays, it plays super, super well. And none of that stuff is um, it's at times you kind of like scratch your head. It doesn't feel icky, though. Like they're not making a it's it's not like playing The Last of Us. Whether you like it or not, it feels icky to play in a lot of parts. Ghost of Tsushima is not even like it's not in that universe. (laughs) It's very much a fun times, you know, we're going to kill these samurai or we're going to we're going to kill these 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 invaders kind of thing. It's not. you're going to be a samurai kind of thing. It's not, it's not like uh, that hard to wrap your head around by any means. Um, I think there's deeper themes there that are worth being critical of, but ultimately it's fun. And it's the kind of game where like you got to find the hot spring so you can get a health boost because resting in the hot springs increases your health. Uh, And so that part is interesting. And then I also think probably the thing that I, that is maybe um, a cut up, no pun intended, a cut above like, similar games is it's not quite a breath of the wild, but it does have pretty profound moments uh, where there's not anything there. Like you'll see a bell in the distance and you'll go, Oh, I should go check that out. Cause it looks cool. And you get there and it just looks cool. And you, maybe you take your flute out and you play a tune and like take a screenshot or something. Um, but there's a lot of that in the world of just really um, whether they're tragic or poignant or interesting little details that don't give you anything for finding them. Um, And I'm finding that to be like a nice break in the action. Um, And then the combat is very much like you press square to swing your sword, you press circle to dodge and you press L1 to block or parry. And it can be hard if you're playing on a harder difficulty, but it is not like a dark souls, animation priority thing. It's very much more like an assassin's creed, like do your counters, do your attacks. Uh, sort of thing. Um, and, and it's, it's good. Combat's cool. Uh, you get to do standoffs. If you don't sneak in, you get to do these standoffs where you call out one of their warriors. And then it's a little mini game where you have to hold down triangle and like wait for them to attack. And then you release it and you kill them in one strike. 
and you can get upgrades where then you can like do it to multiple people and that's pretty fun and satisfying uh so i don't know i think if you're looking for that kind of game which i very much was it's worth picking up uh i do plan to pick it up uh, i'm gonna planning to stream it if i can get everything together and working i'm most of the way there uh, so look for that in like a weekish. yeah i think it's good uh, for that that kind of thing i have found it to be the most clippable game i've played in a while in terms of wanting to like hit the share button and like actually use that feature to, to upload mm-hmm. little clips because i get into fights sometimes where i'm like wow that was really cinematic i didn't get hit at all and i it looked really cool um and you can like swipe right on the touchpad and he does the like flick the blood off and sheed the sword thing um and uh so it's 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 definitely a cool like streaming and, and clipping game i think uh in that way. And I think as long as you go in understanding that it's like, it almost feels like a PS3 game that never came out. Not that it looks like a PS3 game. It looks, the character models are a little eh, at times, but the environments are gorgeous, but it's that's that methodology of game design for sure. Uh, it, it feels kind of derivative and, and old in that sense, but also it's a formula that's fun and works. So I think that's okay. Sick. Uh, speaking of of sick, super hot. It kind of is like it's like a mind sickness. So you have to like go in and like mind control delete to to get rid of what? the sickness. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, my my segues aren't on point this week. I'm sorry. I'm just so Alex, you played some of super hot mind control delete. Did anybody else take a look at it? I took a look at what you guys were sharing, but that was it. Oh yeah, we were sharing clips. That is true. Yeah, uh, yeah, that game's pretty sick. <laughs> if I had one word to describe it, it would be sick. It is more super yeah. hot, which is cool. How how far did you get into it, Pat? Um, I did the first couple of nodes. Uh, not sorry. Um, I did. I got through the the first like map all of the nodes on that map. So when I say couple right. of nodes, I mean like I got through all the node one and node two stuff. And then I have like a button to go to the next map. And that's where I, I took a pause on it. Okay. So I'm a little bit further than you. Um, yeah. Cause I finished node three. So now I'm on node four. What do you think? Yeah. Of it? I like it a lot. Um, I don't think it is like, Whoa, this is, this is going to be my game of the year by any means. Um, largely because it's more super hot. Uh, it kind of falls into some of the pitfalls that I was a little concerned about, but it's still really cool. Um, like super hot's just a really awesome formula. And I think it does interesting things. Like, I don't know that there'd be a better way for them to deliver more super hot than this. Um, and so I think that's very directly cool. into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dude. the way that it, sorry, go ahead. I was asking, do they add like enough to it to make it its whole like a whole other game? It's hard to no. say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's, it's more super hot one point five than super hot two. If that's uh, what you're okay. asking, but part yeah. of it is, and they would be able to to figure this out. But I mean, I don't think you can make a super hot two. No. Like I, I don't, I don't think it. It'd be hard. It's I, a I don't formula know. that is so simple, you know, at its core. Um, and so with the main changes, what it does is one, it gives you health instead of just an immediate death. 
So mm. you, you have some, you, you can take a few hits, but then also um, you get these maps that are uh, like kind of ASCII um, looking like maps where you're clicking on different nodes to go into them. And then a node will have um, like maybe five or six levels in it. And in between the levels, your health doesn't refill um, normally, but you mm. find like new bonuses. So it'll be like, okay, you finished the first level and now you get to pick between always starting with a katana or um, refilling your health. And then you'll play another two levels and then it'll be like, okay, well now do you want your thrown objects to explode or do you oh, want to get an okay. extra health? And so um, some, something you can do is uh, it's kind of binding of Isaac E in that what you're yeah. doing is you're collecting like things that you could potentially pick up later. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, like, you're building this like list of things that could show up, and, and you do hacks. that. Yeah, mm. they call them hacks. So it's like, uh, okay, now, like Pat said, I have the start with katana, or I have the thing where I throw a throwable object and it explodes. Like that's yeah. something you can pick up. So now that becomes an option that shows up, like in the middle or of a run. Now my gunshots pierce through multiple enemies, sort of thing. Yeah. And and it's cool. Those hacks are cool, but I don't feel that they fundamentally change the way you play the game. I disagree. Um, you've you've <laughs> changed. The, if, I mean, I would say if you if if you're getting like if they're really making you feel like you, they're changing the way you play the game, then I, that's super hot too, in my opinion. But uh, I don't know. I, I that's I think I've been slightly disappointed at those that element of it. I guess. I think there are some that change the way you totally approach stuff. Like there is the whatever the rush ability that you get now. So. Um, those are a little different because they're those are like packages I think they call them where you actually those do change a lot for sure you like pick those at the start though um and so like we're, I only have two I have the health up one where you start with three health or I can start with two health and gain an ability to charge people and punch them basically and from yeah. like pretty far away. I would say those are closer to like when I saw those I was like maybe this is like a super hot too. So I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. And and like the actual grenade you throw you throw throwables and it explodes, that one definitely changes things because suddenly the most deadly weapon in the game are like cards and cups and that you're throwing at people. I think I've seen that one. I think I've seen that one one time since I got it. So <laughs> you have to be careful with that one cuz very much like a grenade even if you throw it far away, it can hurt you. You, <laughs> yeah, that's part of why I avoided it. Yeah, um, um, but there's other ones like that that like they change the way you approach situations. Um, but yeah, no, I'm like I said, a little bit further than you, and I was well, super hot on it for the first like that first map. Uh, the second map, I'm less hot on it um, because I think the way that they're um, they're kind of throwing you into maps isn't always very well balanced. Um, I've had multiple times where I've lost a health like right off of the bat because there was nothing I could do. Like uh, there was a guy right on me in the middle of his attack animation. I don't have enough time to look around to see if there's a weapon. Uh, if I punch him, I'm going to get shot by the guy next to him. Yeah. Uh, if I move, he's just going to hit me with his attack. Like, there's no way to not lose a like a heart there, and it's like that's been really frustrating because yeah, it's like well, okay, well I have two health in this case. Like, 
what can I possibly do? I just have to go the rest of the run with one health, and it sucks. And I think too, like it's, it's. I don't. It's not bad, but they have like five or six environments at least on those. I don't know if they introduce more as you go along, but uh, not um, really. Well, there's the club. I don't know if you got the club. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's like five or six environments, and you're always on one of those maps. And then they have spawn doors, basically. So what it randomizes is like the start state and like I think where some of the objects are. And um, then enemies just kind of randomly come in different doors. So even though it's different for each level, um, it doesn't feel super, super different. No pun intended. Uh, it's still it's it still feels kind of repetitive. Um, and the repetitive action of playing super hot is pretty cool. So Mm -hmm. like that doesn't, that's not meant as total condemnation, but for me, I think kind of the thing that I have found, uh, and maybe you're forced into this more later on, but the reason I say that it didn't, I don't feel like the hacks fundamentally changed the game for me that much is because the best thing to do still is to get a good gun and -hmm. then shoot everyone. Um, and because of the fact that these levels aren't curated, there aren't levels where there are no guns, at least that I've encountered. Yeah. There are, are always opportunities to get a gun pretty quick in the level because the randomization almost always spawns somebody with a gun. Um, they do some cool things that I can't even remember if they're in the original Super Hot, where there's enemies that will one have weapons that you can't get from them. They're like yep. a they're part like of basically, them. Yeah, like you know how the characters in Super Hot are red and the weapons they're carrying are black. Um, in that case, they're just all red. There's like, yeah. even oh, if the, like the, the gun is basically melted to them. It's like yeah. mega man, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. cause that's tactically it's, it's like, okay, well I can't get a gun off of that one. And then some of them also, uh, you can only hit them in certain parts. Like they'll be yeah. like the same white color as the environment, except for their left leg. So to kill them, you have to hit them in the leg. Uh, mm. And that's kind of cool. That's an that's interesting, interesting tactical thing to deal with. But yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't feel materially different to me than playing super hot. Um, and maybe there are more hacks down the line that are more like that grenade hack where they do make you play it very differently. But um, it's it's a really nice companion, I think, to the original game if you're if you played the original game and you're like, holy shit, I want to play more of that and I want it to be more random and replayable. I think this does serve that pretty well. Um, I think if you're new to super hot, you should still go play the first super hot. And then if yeah, you want I feel to like play the first one more. is so self-contained in an, in a good way. Yes. That and curated too. Yeah. And, and it, it's like, it doesn't overstay its welcome at all. I, yeah, I saw an interesting comparison in a review that I read. I can't remember exactly where it was from, but um, sort of saying that like the original Super Hot feels like a puzzle game as you're playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this one feels more like an action game, um, mm. not because it's any faster. I mean, it's still the same rules, but it it just because it's less the levels aren't bespoke. They don't have that same puzzly feel to them because like you're saying Alex they're not designed to be puzzles they're randomized so it's more like how am I I mean yes there's thinking you have to do but it's really like the best skill you can have in mind control delete is the ability to like read 
lead times on bullets so you can hit someone while they're moving horizontally. Um, that that's that's by far the most useful skill. Um, and and um, scenario mitigation being like yeah. kind of like looking at risk and being like, okay, so who should I go for right now? Because who's going to yeah. fuck me up the most? One and thing it's so I, cool. One thing I will say that is a really good feature they added um, is because you're going to run into situations where there's like a freaking billion people on screen. Not actually a billion, but like a significant amount of dudes coming at you. And they don't make any sound other than if they're reloading their guns. Uh, so sometimes you'll just have someone spawn behind you and you won't know it. Um, but if you get attacked from the back, it won't do damage. It will just say, it'll just flash and then show you who did it and say, watch your back. Yeah. <laughs> which I think, so you, which, which I think is nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's really good. Um, and uh, also the music in the disco level oh my God. absolutely whips. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> okay, this is again also making me go from it's, like, it's, oh, I'll play it sometime to mm, time to play it. I will it. say it's not <laughs> disco music that they play. No, it's like it's like a dubstep thing. Okay, again, I, I want to play that. <laughs> guy doing like stuff over top. Yeah, and 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 like like jagged guitar like 9 inch nails guitars and stuff it's 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 very good yeah it's uh, it's very stupid and i love that too yeah it reminds it, it's evoking the club scene in john wick for sure like it's trying to do a, a a little like a thing musically that's similar to that but also heavier um yeah but uh but yeah i don't know it's it's a cool game um yeah. i think it's if you own super hot at least on steam i think it's true of other platforms too um you get it for free. So, so I, mean, I would say it's the kind of thing where like, I will probably keep it installed for a very long time because I'll go, Oh, I want to play some super hot and then I'll drop in and play a few levels. I am not going to push through it and try to like finish it. Um, because it, 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 it would be, I think repetitive to play hours and hours and hours of it. But, um, it's certainly more super hot. And, and for what, it, for what it's worth, it does have some story in it. Yeah, so far what I've seen is pretty thin. Yeah, uh, I don't say good story, but it's got yeah. some story. <laughs> it has cool, the the beginning is cool because it's like it takes actually a lot, a bit of a, a kind of a long time for one of these games to get to the roguelite part. Because um, you yeah. start off and it's like you were supposed to have you you won. Why are you here again? And and then it like does a bunch of super hottie. Like you play a bunch of levels and then uh, it it like does its thing where it tries to like do a mind fuck thing. It's kind of predictable because it's super hot, so it doesn't have the same amount of like whoa, this is wild as the first game. Um, but then eventually it drops you in. To, it's like fine if you want to play more, have these, and it gives you the hacks, which is kind of clever and mm. and fun. You, you know what is wild. Uh, I don't own Super Hot because I played mm-hmm. it on my friend's. Like I like did Steam Share with a friend and played his copy, but I have Mind Control Delete in my Steam library now. Oh, even though I'm no longer connected <laughs> to that friend's Steam Share, it's probably because so, you played it. It's probably yeah. not reading. It's not reading your ownership. It's reading if you've played it. Which is now. which is not what they were saying though. Is yeah, so, I know, but. I mean, hey, Loophole. I guess I wonder That's the real super hot. if it's not if you've played it, but that if you play a game on Steam through Steam Share, it flips whatever switch tells developers yeah. that you owned the game or something. 
um, like whatever they're keying the super hot delivery on. I, for me, it was weird because when it launched, it didn't show up in my library. I had to go to the store page and hit play now to get mm. it to install. Mm. So it definitely has a little some some quirks uh, for sure. Yeah, but it's still I think cool that was there. like a typing thing. But yeah, could be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think if again, if you're new to super hot, I would say play the first game. Play, yeah. And, and then hot. if you want to play more, then this is play a good super hot VR additional way. And I guess eventually you do unlock a mode. Excuse me. In this game, that's like a wave based thing where they give you new hacks every certain number of waves, which is kind of cool if you just want to play it a bunch. Um, it's not as cool as super hot VR. I'll say super hot VR is dope, like, <laughs> like super, super, super cool. Uh, unfortunately short, but super, super, super cool. All right. Well, uh, next, what's next? Uh, where's my Where's my list? Uh, let's, let's go. Let's go to Alex. Hi. Before I forget to talk to Alex about games, let's hear what Alex played. Yeah. Um, so, if y'all remember, how long ago was it? A few weeks now that we were talking about the iOS two. I forgot. Ha 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 ha. Um, but yeah, we were talking about iOS 2 and uh, specifically just like five or so games that came out of it that seemed kind of cool, seemed interesting, and worth talking about. And one of those was Before I Forget. Um, give me one second, sorry. Having to juggle some stuff around. This was, this was some like A plus comedy work I was doing here, and not a single one of you. Gave a sincere chuckle. I gave, I already, I made so many Slipknot puns when we talked about this last time that <laughs> I have to just abstain from jokes and laughing at them for, for this sequence because I can't keep doing that to Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, before I forget, yeah, first heard about it from the Indie Obscura thing, the iOX2. Uh, so again, shout out to Morgan and Co. for putting that together. Um, but the game itself was created by a studio called Threefold Games, I think, and they're primarily a two-person team. Uh, and the team is Chella Ramanan and Claire Morwood. They're these two awesome women devs out of England, so uh, show them some support. But the the game itself is like purely one hundred percent all about its narrative. So if I were to give it a genre. By like modern standards, I guess you'd call it a walking sim. Um, but it also feels weird to try and compare it to other games you might call walking sims. Like, th- there's stuff it definitely reminds me of. Like, parts of it will remind me of Gone Home, or another part might remind me of Edith Finch. Uh, there, I can think of some parts that remind me of like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, and something else is kind of like The Unfinished Swan. But it's got elements of all of those, but it's still totally unique, even among all of them. So, like for one, there's nothing at all fantastical about it. Like, there's no metaphor at play. It's all just kind of depicting real life, which is kind of unique, especially for those kinds of games, which love to wrap themselves in like, you know, really bigger than life moments and uh, mechanics that make the world all crazy. Like this one just doesn't. Um, but so 
in depicting its real life, what it's depicting is that of an older woman who has dementia. So the thing about that subject matter and like games that focus on mental health in general is that you know like the tone can sometimes be a little rough like it can be a bit t- like hard to sit through or like it's generally pretty dour but before i get before i forget is not really dour interestingly like it has a lot of heart it has some humor in it like it's got a pretty decent amount of what i'd call hope even by the end um, and the thing about the story is that it never feels like gratuitous. It, it's not a tear joke, uh, like a tearjerker. It's not emotionally manipulative. It it easily could have felt cheesy or pandering, but it's not. <laughs> like it's just it's just sharing uh, the main character, whose name is Sunita. It's sharing her story, and it does it really well. So, like it handles. It's subject matter in a really even-handed way when sharing this like personable and like believable story. But it's also hard to talk about anything directly because the game itself is only about an hour like to get through. So and and it's worth going in blind because it's it's just a worthwhile story to go through. Um, but to kind of talk around it like about the story beats or any of the mechanics or anything, and just kind of talk about what it's trying to convey. Um, it has this really good sense of discovery. Like you're looking at and interacting with objects in the world, um, like you would in a gone home or something like that. But you look at them and you can mouse over them and you can see, like, it'll be like, oh, I can interact with this. But you look at it and it has like no detail. It'll be like you're picking up a piece of paper and it's completely blank. Um, like uh, things that you would expect to be nice and colorful have no nothing, no color. They're just nothing. But as you pick them up and inspect them, the details start to fill in, and it adds color to the object. It adds context to the object. It, like if it has words on it, like it's a letter, it'll have those written out. And when you put it back down, it adds color to that part of the room, which is really cool. Uh, it's a pretty effective mechanic. So there's that sense of discovery, but it. Interestingly, there's like this inherent kind of implied sense of both rediscovery and undiscovery, if that makes sense. Because, like, you're playing through, like, you as a player are playing through this experience through her eyes. And for you, it's all new. And the thing is, that's what they're trying to convey. It's the same Mm. for Sunita. Like, it feels like. All this new stuff that you're seeing for the first time is the same for her, and like you're finding clues along the way that make it pretty abundantly clear that it's not new. So that's kind of the undiscovery, and it's it's really effective. It's really an effective tool to make you feel empathetic towards like Sunita herself, but anyone else in that kind of situation. So yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. There's lots to talk about with it. Uh, another thing that I really appreciated is the fact that it doesn't handle its timeline linearly, really, <laughs> mm. which is really interesting. Like you'll inspect certain things, and it will pull Sunita back into a memory from her youth in India. Which, by the way, that's great. <laughs> like the voice actor who plays Sunita, um, her name is Anjani Kunapaneni, I think. Yeah. Either way, she nails it. 
and it's really cool and interesting to have a relatable story from an awesome, like super intelligent character based out of like a really underrepresented part of the world or even misrepresented in a lot of cases. So, but anyways, like Sunita will be pulled back to her youth in India. And when that section is over, you'll be in a different part of the house. Like when it pulls you back to the normal reality, you're like, oh, I'm over here now. I don't know how I got there or like, is it day now? Is it night? How many days have passed? And like that part of it is just really effective. So, yeah, I don't know. It being about an hour feels like a deliberate choice, no matter mm-hmm. the case. Like nothing felt stretched. Um, it also feels like they didn't, like it feels like it could have been longer because of just how effectively they established the world. Um, it's, yeah, it's great. Uh, I have no. Complaints about it really. It's about six or seven dollars on Steam and Itch. Uh, there's a one dollar DLC which I can recommend, uh, which is literally just a radio play. It's completely unrelated to the story of the game. Like none of the characters are the same. The situation is not the same. It's just this other. It's just a radio play about these other two characters, and it's really um, pulpy. In like a really positive way, like I don't mean that as a derogative kind of thing. It, yeah, it's just you get to the end of it, and it's just like, like my reaction was to roll my eyes in a good way and say, "Oh, so that's what this is." <laughs> so, yeah, everything about Before I Forget is great. Um, All right. Well, don't forget to play Before I Forget. It's on sale for ten percent off on Steam right now, and that one dollar DLC is fifteen percent off if you buy it in a bundle. <laughs> or I oh, guess yeah. the bundle is fifteen percent off. Yeah, you buy buy them together, and it's fifteen percent. So I mean, you're just practically throwing money away not buying it. Yeah, you should uh, play that game. Yeah, no, it sounds really, really good. And yeah, like Allison, you played AI: The Somnium Files, right? Yes, but I actually haven't finished it. That's one thing I need to go back to right now. Did, did you get to the part where you jump into the dream of Ota's mom? I think so. Yeah, because it reminds me of that in quite a few ways. Um, but we don't have to dive into that, but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay, well, now I think Alex wants to talk about one of his favorite topics, a super sad, super melancholy game, something called... Trackmania. Trackmania kicks ass. <laughs> it continues it to do so. I was playing it just before the podcast. Yeah, it's it's become very much my nighttime game again. Like like it was five years ago. <laughs> it was my all day game for a few summers. <laughs> I I was taken back, like I, I just I remembered um playing that game while watching a bunch of X Files, just like binge watching. <laughs> And spoilers for people who haven't watched the X-Files, but there's like a later season, maybe like season seven, something mm-hmm. like that, where they do like a Frankenstein's monster episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do So it's like a take on uh, like the, the movie version of Frankenstein, not the book version of Frankenstein, where the villagers are all going to the castle and whatnot. And they, they save the monster. And then the episode ends with them going to like a share concert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And like Whoa. it's all black and white. It's it's in Kurosawa mode. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 genuinely like one of the best episodes of the show, in my opinion. But it's just the, it is the most it's bizarre very episode, ending though. to any <laughs> TV show. <laughs> and so, just like that, is forever inextricably linked to Trackmania. Trackmania. <laughs> there is a there is a share room uh, that I saw where I assume they're just listening to share. I did not go into that room. The, the, the share room is the, uh, is the offic- uh, giant bomb unofficial no, classic. The giant bomb unofficial classic. Unfortunately, room I haven't rest. run into any share in there. No, I think their music choices are pretty uh, disappointing in that room. I gotta are you say, saying this shares because the, the server I go on has a picture of share on it. That's a different one. That's different. <laughs> that, yeah. that is that is the true Giant Bomb unofficial classic. If you go to giantbomb.com forums and look it up, it is you have to look for believe in the in the club rooms, and that's what it is. That's I will. I'll I'll play great. some there today because I've it's, been pretty. That's where you find Star Wars Metallica. It's where you find. Oh uh, well, damn! Yeah the the current um, named Giant Bomb unofficial classic room. Uh, has some good track selection, although they picked a lot of like long, frustrating tracks. Yeah, they picked a lot of uh, really hard ones. Like if this was, was your like, first Trackmania game, you couldn't don't go to that room. You couldn't finish some of those. Yeah, most of them, I would say. Uh, and then the music choice, I some of it's like, like there's that pretty fucking awesome "Set Fire to the Rain" dubstep remix. That one's good. Oh yeah. And then there's there's a um. There's a, a dubstep remix of Photograph by Nickelback that is oh God. really, really <laughs> awful. Like, oh no, I want to hear it. Makes the song worse. <laughs> yep. it's, yeah, there's a lot of Limp Biscuit dubstep remix. I haven't heard a Limp Biscuit one yet. There's that <laughs> awful Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball dubstep remix, but it's actually just like dialogue from Dragon Ball. With like a, a <laughs> yeah. slow beat under oh. it, it's terrible. Oh, I, I love I, it I for like seven minutes. Uh, um. Oh, uh, but yeah, the game is still pretty fucking awesome. I'm getting a little tired of that room, but the game is awesome. Yeah, I don't know if I have that much more to say about it, other than it continues to be like probably the best track mania so far. The thing I'm uh, getting a little bit into is uh is just and it's just because there's so much variety is full speed tracks. Yeah, there's a few rooms that do full speed only. So the idea being, you don't ever take your finger off the accelerator, and it's all about like managing your angles going into turns. Mm-hmm. That's really fun to learn how to do that. Um, and like you have to like kind of learn certain techniques to get good at it because it's not just like it's not just hold it down and there's one specific line. It's really hard to find that line sometimes, and you have to do like different kinds of uh, stick management for turning, which I think is neat. Um, but it's cool. I might try to make a track. I've been playing a lot of these tracks, getting that like I could make a better track than this <laughs> feeling. According to this Google uh, this Google sheet I'm looking at, the Giant Bomb server has two Dragon Ball dubstep oh, songs. <laughs> Good. Well, they're, I probably heard both of them, and I think they both Dragon suck. Ball Z Final Flash dubstep remix and Father Son Kamehameha dubstep remix. <laughs> I heard the first one. That's a very good name, though. Some it's always very funny when people come into the to the room and say, "How do you change to the next song?" <laughs> 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 We're like, "That's not how it works." 
friend. Oh, <laughs> We're all in this your... together. <laughs> man, I want the Buck Bumble theme. That's what oh, we've that's... been saying. Yeah. Yeah. My partner and I have both been commenting on the lack of Buck Bumble. Uh, it, it's on the it's on the song list. So it's, I don't the know problem is it only plays one song per map. So yeah, it yeah. There's still a lot a of good song. Bad. It's great. If it's a bad song, yeah. There's still a lot of bad. Like it should play more than one song per map. Um, the track rating UI is still broken. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I figured out how to do it. It's worked for me. Yeah, yeah you, you can you can you can do it with the chat command. You just can't click the UI. Oh well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's a lot of stuff about that game that's still kind of broken. But yeah, it's but broken that's in, also in, like that's a third party plugin broken. Yeah, and it's yes. broken in exactly the way I want TrackMedia to be broken <laughs> for the most part. I think what I have started to feel is actually maybe the novelty of. Maybe I actually just want to play Trackmania because Trackmania is good, and some of the stuff around it that I used to consider core to the experience is no longer as core to me as having good maps and the driving feeling good. And so I think maybe that's where my frustration with the, that particular room is starting to come in. Is like actually, I think I just want to play good tracks. I don't care about oh, all yeah. this other stuff. Yeah, the tracks are bad. Yeah, yeah most of them in that yes. particular room. But anyways, Trackmania is fantastic. Yes, the game is great. All right. Well, that means it's Allison's turn to tell us all about the sequel, one of the sequels to her favorite great game of all time, Ooblets. <laughs> Didn't uh, I, I? Somehow I knew that you were going to go like Wait. veer off into. They can call the sequel. They only made Ooblets so that they can make a sequel called Two Blitz. Oh. <laughs> But it's gonna but... spell it T U B E. Yeah, yeah. And they're all tube people. Now you're yeah. onto something. <laughs> now I'm cooking with tube. We said it on a podcast, so that means it's copyrighted. So they have to contact us. They have to like only us- if only if we record it onto a cassette and then send it to ourselves. What do you think I do every single <laughs> week? <laughs> That's why it takes you so long to upload. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I have to back yeah. it up to tape first, and then <laughs> mail it to Google, and then they put it on Drive. Your up, your yeah. God, your uh, apartment is full of cassette tapes. <laughs> just, they're just falling, and I, I don't even have shelf space for them. They're just in <laughs> stacks on the floor. What he didn't tell us earlier is that story about his cat was the cat wasn't sleeping on a windowsill, it was sleeping on a pile of cassettes, and it collapsed. Yeah. But it, <laughs> its fall was broken by more cassettes. God, no. Oh, anyway. God. Uh, how do you have room to even survive now, um, you know, 130 episodes in? Uh, 130 cassettes doesn't actually take up that much room. But it would be more than that, right? Like no. We, we, <laughs> how, no. How, much, how much room? It's double sided. Yeah. So you fit two per two cassette, two episodes per cassette. They mail them back to me after they. I mail them one every week. It's like a rotating thing. Mm. But like, how long is like a cassette? Can how long can they be? Um, Depends on the cassette. Alex, yeah, you work in music. Or they're like they're like big cassettes. It's like they're like VHS tapes. Oh, but that's real to real space, though. I don't know, one hundred and thirty. I'll do some measurements. Yeah, like like a, a cassette can hold like ninety minutes, right? Uh, I mean, this I, is what I'm usually looking. like forty five per side. Depends on the tape. 
Yeah. So. I don't know. I probably own like 130 board games. I don't have all of them in Seattle, but there was a time, trust me, cassettes take up less space than That's true. Board games. That's true. I made that work. Anywho, um, <laughs> Ooh, Blitz. It's one of my most anticipated games, and it uh, hit early access this week um, on uh, Xbox and the Epic Store. Uh, so I picked it up on the Epic Store and I played a decent amount of it. Uh, I don't know how much more I'm going to play with before waiting for more updates, but it is still pretty dang good in early access. So I recommend giving it a shot if you uh, are interested in it, um, both supporting the uh, devs, but also I think that it's there's a lot to love there even if there are some aspects where you can tell, okay, there's, um, you know, there's, there's still places to expand. Like there's one uh, area that I haven't been to yet because in a, in the game they have a sign that's like, we messed this up real good. It'll be a while. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> all right, um, fair enough. <laughs> That's fun. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. The, the entire tone of the game is very much like that, where it's just very, it's like, it's like simultaneously irre- irreverent, but also very, like, sweet and earnest in a weird way. It's like, it, it, it it's just very, it's very, it's a very nice game that also has a lot of goofs in it, which is good. Um, so basically it's, it's a a mix of like a kind of, uh, like a farming game, like a, a, like a kind of life sim farming game, but also a monster collecting game. So, uh, you, uh, the Ooblets are the creatures in the game. Um, and you can, you collect them, uh, by farming them. So, uh, you have to, you you can farm other stuff like other, um, resources and things, but also, uh, part of what you're doing is, uh, growing, is growing seeds so that you can have, uh, your ooblets. Um, there's a, bu- a lot of different ones, but they're all very, very, very cute. Uh, and you're basically for right now trying to do various tasks around the uh, town that you've been in. Um, I think you can start going to other towns later. But, for example, it's like, okay, we need to have collect all of these resources so that we can reopen a dance hall or we can um, get this friendship badge maker back online so that we can all start getting friendship stickers again. Like, it's very, very cute. Um, if, it if, looks so good too. Like it looks. Great. Yeah, <laughs> it's very very cute, and it, it it the the entire presentation, uh, especially for being early access, is is really really polished. Um, it it really just feels like um, you know, there's there's some features missing. Uh, there's some areas missing, um, and I ran into like a tiny bug, but for the most part, it's, it's, it's polished so that if you want that cute, cute aesthetic, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's right there. Um, the, the Pokemon like thing, uh, is your relatively infrequent, at least from where, where I've been, uh, dance battles. 
which are card-based and turn-based. Um, because you basically, as you level up your ooblets, you get more cards that you can use in these ooblets dance battles. And basically, you're just trying to uh, raise your... Uh, get up to a certain number of points uh, before your opponents, um, which is usually pretty easy, but there are actually, it's, it's all the battles I've done pretty so far have been easy, but it, there is an element of strategy to it that I can see an element of depth and I can see it getting harder if they wanted to. Um, like for example, each, each of the different ooblets have different cards that you can use um, they all have different uh, costs. So, uh, for example, you might want to prioritize something that increases your hype meter, which uh, can multiply yeah. your points later on um, before you start going adding more points. Or you can uh, stun your opponents or steal points from them even. So there's 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 enough. It's so far it's been really really easy, but there's enough there that you go okay. I can see where there could be depth in the future. Um, but okay, so yeah. you're getting into these dance battles. Yes. What is prompting them? Is it like random encounters? Is it you're running into quote unquote gym leaders? No, you're running into. It's so far it's just been I've been running into ooblets, um, and oh, gotcha. you're. Uh, actual the thing that's kind of interesting is that at the end of each battle, you can you get a seed. You can get a seed that you can grow into one of your ooblets. Um, but to get into a battle, you need to have some kinds of resources. So getting certain ones is a lot easier than others. Like there's probably my first. I think my first ooblet that wasn't my starter ooblet, who's uh, a very cute frog. Um, but the next one I got, uh, you just needed to have enough of the wood resource. So it was, which is really, really easy to get. Um, so it's kind of a more common, easy to get ooblet. Whereas there are a couple of other ones where you have to, uh, for example, um, like craft, uh, some food and then you can get into a battle with them. Um, there are a couple of times where you have to get into dance battles to solve uh, requests or solve some issues with them. Um, so, for example, like you need to get into the town hall um, because the mayor is like, "Hi, I've been uh, meeting with people at like with this set of cardboard boxes as my town hall because the town hall hall is overtaken by uh, ooblets." So you you have to so to solve that you do get into a dance battle with them, but uh, for the most part you're you you actively choose to get into dance battles and uh, you want to because then you can collect those ooblets. I would like to note throughout all of what you were just saying, Andre looked completely baffled. I hear these words coming out of your mouth, (laughs) dance battles and seeds and crafting, but none of it, it's like, what? Yeah, it feels that way. And and everything in the game has very, like, kind of cutesy names. So you just are like, I have to go, I have to go collect a bunch of nernies for this thing. On the Epic Game Store page, they've got a, 
like they've got a bunch of screenshots and one of them is a who's that like who's that pokemon type thing <laughs> and it says it's lump stump <laughs> a woozy yeah. ooblet found in the forest around Badgetown. Scientists are divided yeah. on classifying lump stumps head branches as ears or horns. Yeah, wow. that's, the one, that's the one that I got oh, from. I love it. Uh, because I because you just need to have a certain number of wood to collect lump stump. So it's uh, there's also like I don't know to what extent the rarity is. But I definitely have what I assume is the shiny variant of Lump Stump. So I don't know how that hat works or how rare those are. But what does I have a shiny one. Lump Stump look like? It's, it's like uh, orangey color. Okay. But, so Have you ever actually found like some shiny wood? Because I was camping one time and we got firewood like you do. And we're sitting around the campfire at night. And then we're like, hey, that pile of wood is glowing. That's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. but it had, like, some fungus, <laughs> it had some fungus inside that was bioluminescent shit's cool That's, that is cool also that is neat. For, for what it's worth um, for any of our audio only listeners who have no idea what this even looks like it looks kind of like a blend between like a Keita Takahashi game like your mm-hmm. Katamaris or your Wadams but also like Donut County maybe like, mm-hmm. like, like yeah, it's kind of got there, that yeah. kind, kind of low poly exaggerated look to it but it's also pretty colorful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I don't yeah. know I don't know what else you yeah, would use to describe it, it but that's, that's kind of how it feels yeah and the aesthetic is both cute and kind of weird which is why I'm like I was saying earlier this week that I'm like this fits exactly the aesthetic I like which <laughs> yep. is very fun I'm like okay it's it's adorable but it's also just like kind of weird and there's just like the oblets all look very strange it's very very good um, yeah. but it, the one thing I will say is that it is very much a okay, I'll play one more day type of game uh, for it, just because of all of the uh, tasks that you you get are. I mean, they're they're very low stakes in that there feels like like there there is a day system, but I haven't run into any issues with it yet, and I haven't run into any sort of like. It's Saturday, so you can't do X. Like, there is no real time limit to anything that I've seen. Or no real, like, time um, uh, restrictions or anything like that. So it's very... So the stakes are low, and there's very, it's very cozy in that way. In that, if, if you like the kind of life sim, but you don't want to be, like, anxious about, like, what if I miss something that day... You won't, but also you, you you're going okay. Next day in game, I uh, I will be harvesting the this resource, which I can get to complete this thing, and then get to go do this thing. So it's a very much a uh, just one more day type game, but also very low stress about it. Um, you're which selling makes me on this so hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very addicting. Because I uh the day it came out, I was playing it until like one or two AM because I'm just like, one more day. I uh, need to see what happens when I complete this thing. And then so, it just like more things start coming and you're like, All right. <laughs> so you're saying it's basically like civilization with one more turn all the time. With zero stress about it though. <laughs> 
and no Gandhi. Like the only reason that you're like this anxious about like, okay, one more day is because it's like fun and Look, you get to see yeah. lovely. It's like, Oh, maybe ne- that next day I can build another Ooblets. Uh, like I can upgrade my Ooblet shelter thing on my farm so that I can have more Ooblets and I can catch more. Um, so it's like totally. God, this yeah. sounds great. I feel nothing <laughs> but so serenity. Good. I feel nothing but serenity when I fire the nuclear missiles <laughs> in Ooblets. Um, oh, but no. it, it, but I, I get what you're feeling with that, uh, Allison, because that's kind of how I felt playing Watam as well, right? Like you're just mm. like, what's the next buck wild weird fucking thing that's going to show up? And yeah, because like, you you're just kind of. You're along for the ride of watching the creators kind of like watching their creativity at play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's just in general very, very charming and very sweet. There, there's just, uh, it, it's, it's just this like game that's pure chill and pure. I gotta see what the next ooblet they show me is because they're all weird and cute and great and do we have any idea like how many there are is there like a uh there's a there's there's definitely an index (laughs) in there but i don't remember how many it's definitely not like you know to the level of say like pokemon or anything like that but um do they evolve do they not that i see is there like a fashion show do they put on like a hat no, but they dance. They dance. Okay, well, yeah, Andre. but to what end? For for their own fun, they love to dance. To what? At know. least, at least they just. Oops, sorry about that. At least they just dance instead of uh, um, Pokemon where they're forced to fight each other. Hey, yeah, it's a dance make, battle. I, and at the end, I'm pretty sure there are some dancing Pokemon in the anime, at least. And at the end of each battle, the way that you get a like the seed from the ooblet uh, is that you. Like, tell it, oh, you did a good job, like, uh, after you beat it in the dance battle, and then it farts out a seed. It's... Hell yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. There have been a couple of things where the writing, I'm like, is this an Alex game? <laughs> there are a couple of things where I was reading, I just saw this, and I'm like, hmm. I'm actually pretty interested to try it, I just want to wait till it's out of early access, I think. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I, it's, this is, I normally do that with most games, too. Um, mm, this is just same. one that... I saw the trailer for it like years ago at this point. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I am playing this game. So I think that's part of why Stardew Valley didn't work for me is because that game came out in early access, didn't it? I don't think so. Uh, I think it came out fully formed. Oh, then I just don't like Stardew yeah, Valley, which is have just, so we can move on. <laughs> that that, yeah, that I, person I, has I, been adding to it. Maybe that's he, all. Yeah. He's added quite a bit of content. I feel like played with the masturbation add-on where everyone has like a masturbation schedule. Maybe I would like it. I don't know. I don't think I would like it more. That sounds very off to me. Is that an official add-on? No, no. Someone made a mod and and, uh, it it gives every every character like a masturbation schedule where they go off to their house and lock their door. If you want to dive into... Yeah. Weird. Stardew Valley has a lot of... There's a weird... Patrick Klavik has done some writing on this. There's a lot of weird mods for Stardew Valley out there. Yeah. You wouldn't expect it for that, game, that mod. But yeah. They, anyway. They, I wonder they if there's added an, something to it recently. I don't is know. Is there an ooblet masturbation mod? 
No. Keep it weird. Keep it weird. I say no. Way to make it weird. No mod support. No mod support for this game, please. Oh god, no. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, I definitely don't blame anybody who wants to wait until this is out of early access because I mean there is still like I I don't know how much I'm I'm going to play it before it leaves early access because I don't I don't I don't know but it's it's very fun and it's still very I I still recommend to keep taking a look at it and giving it a shot if you are cool with early access or waiting until it comes out but it's it's. It's 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 what I wanted it to be, so I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Do you yes. know? Is, have they communicated at all when it might be out of early access? Not that I've seen. I don't think. Um, okay. I would assume it's going to be a while because I mean it's been in development for four years, so uh, I would think. It'll yeah, be a bit. I would say I do think that mechanically it's mostly there. Um, and aesthetically too, so it, it feels like like it's definitely early access. Like it's definitely not. Oh, this is secretly complete, and they released it in early access for whatever reason. Like it's definitely early access, but I think that it's not. It's like it, there's enough there where I'm like, okay, I. It's very very playable, and it's not like yeah, uh, not necessarily missing features, more just content. Right, exactly. It's tough because like i want to play hades again real bad and start over but i also don't want to they've talked about like minor balance tweaks and stuff being in the final 1.0 update and it's like well then i don't want to play it Um, now that's gonna gonna be every patch is gonna be like minor balance tweaks Um, yeah but but if the the end of the game isn't in there like the the yeah and i think it sounds like it's mostly there it's a similar thing in Ubl like if they if I were to start playing Ublets if like in two months they're like, Oh, we've added twenty additional Ublets that you can get and it's like, well maybe I would have wanted to to farm those on day three or something. You know, like I just I, I get so conflicted. It might just be all in my head, but I get so conflicted about like uh. Well, they're also on very different points of. Oh no, I know. I'm just saying, early access as a concept generally is. Oh, for sure, and and then, like I said, I generally don't really try to go for early access just because I feel the same way. And I've had that happen too, where I've played something in early access and gone, "Oh, I don't know how good that is," and then I'm like, "Wait, that was my impression Mm -hmm. based off of the early access." Uh, Yeah, I feel Um, like it plays the most early access games here. I I think Um, that's. But at the same time, I was just like. I was so excited for this one. Yeah, like yeah, that feels like the inherent risk of ever going into something early access. It's like, oh, you know you're not gonna get to the ending. It's going to stop yeah. you at some point. And like if you don't know when the actual ending will be coming out, or if if like yeah. some games have been in early access for so long. Um yeah. like it's just like, well, when do I come back to it? Do I come back to it? Or when it does come out, do you feel motivated to come back to it and play through everything you've already played again? Right. Just to like see what changed and stuff like that. Like for me, that's that's a big ask most of the time. Uh, which and is why I also kind of tend to so not play early access much. I, and the early access games that I tend to play more of are things that don't have that narrative going on you know like same i didn't bring it because we we already had a a stacked show maybe next week i'll talk about it but i'm playing an early access game here and there now um that uh 
it's a competitive, it's a battle royale. So like it's, it doesn't, it's fine with me. If like, there's lots of balance changes and stuff, I expect that. And like, it doesn't bother me if the game, if I'm playing it in early access and it's not like finished because it's a competitive thing. So it's like stuff's going to get added to it. It's with narrative stuff. It can be frustrating. Yeah. Um, totally. And like, I like the way like, um, satisfactory, for example, is a game I've played a fair bit in early access. That game, um, everything that they're adding is bolting onto the end of it. It's not like there, there's, there's no, like you progress through different like levels of technology and um, you, they're not really adding stuff to the early game. Um, so it's kind of a little different because, and that, that was like sort of the initial pitch for Hades as well is they're going to add narrative episodes, but it's also enough it's being refined enough at the same time that I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to play through this, cause there's so different games, right? Like satisfactory is like a factory building game. They will make some tweaks probably to the resources that you need to build things, but it's not the same as I want the best experience playing Hades as possible. So I'm going to play it when it's, when they consider it complete, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, cause I want to play the most refined, like, perfected version in their eyes of that game um so it's i mean it's true of like hard space Shipbreaker. i had a similar feeling to that to what you're saying allison about ublis which is i that game has been something i've been interested in for years now um and so i got it and checked it out but like it has a story and it's structured in such a way where like they're adding more to the story but you could play the campaign for like a hundred hours right now and get like all the money. And then as the story stuff comes out, just like already have the resources. And that's not really how I want to play that game. So I kind of tried it and then put it down and we'll wait to play it further. Anyways, it right. seems cool. Well, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. And yeah. speaking of games that are right up Allison's alley, then she has been waiting a long time for paper Mario. Yes. Favorite Mario, uh, the Origami King, came out yesterday. I I have one question. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Is your overall feeling a thumb up or a thumb down? I'd say a thumb up, for sure. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I I think it's definitely not perfect, and I don't think that it's, um, it's definitely not going to be like, this is the best Paper Mario game, because if, if it did that, I would be shocked but it's still it's still very it's still very very good with just a couple of caveats i think um so uh if you're new to the podcast or you don't remember uh paper mario the thousand year door is my favorite game of all time uh so i really love the paper mario series but then uh as uh, most people are aware the paper mario series has gone uh gotten some been not so great lately um it's been increasing it's been a little frayed around the edges oh yeah stop it's, it it's crumpled hey i mean they make a lot of those jokes in paper mario so that's <laughs> put, pretty on put through the shredder <laughs> so so it's very, so very much co- coming up to origami king i was like it's very specific Hope it's good, but also 
I don't want to get my hopes up too high. Um, <laughs> the ultimate it, intempered expectations. Exactly. <laughs> where I'm just like, in a, I'd love to be super hyped about it, but also. Mm, super hype. hype. <laughs> super hype. So it's been out. Uh, I've. Um, I think I'm good. I'm in the second major area right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's been really good so far. It's, I think from, from what a lot of the people who have played it in, uh, before for reviews and stuff have said is very, very true where the writing and the, uh, general tone and atmosphere of the game is really where it shines, which is, I think the most important part of a paper Mario game. Um, which, which is very, very good. Uh, the, I actually really like the battling system. I was surprised with how much I've enjoyed it. Um, it's, 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 it it has enough strategy, um, to it where, uh, if you haven't seen any of the preview footage, basically for most battles, you're in, uh, the center of a circle and you have to, for the first stage, um, um, move the various pieces of the circle around so that you can get the enemies in an, an advantageous way. And then, and then you do um, the kind of turn-based battles afterwards. So I think that works out really well. Um, and then the boss fights that I've played so far are, have been really, really fun. Uh, the biggest concern with them is the lack of RPG elements, um, which makes the, battles feel not as consequential. Like there is an element of your character getting stronger to an extent. Um, because, uh, when I, uh, got the HP up, they're like, Oh, that means you're stronger. Right. And then it's like, I guess I am now. (laughs) Not very definitive. (laughs) yeah but it's like you don't really see stats so it's like i'm like i'm i don't have to battle like just standard goomba enemies if i don't want to if right now but um, you can just like kill them in the overworld right right exactly Hmm. yeah so so it's like there's like still some progression but at the same time it's like not and then the main things that you get from battles are coins and uh, the confetti, which confetti. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Is uh, the overworld is there's a bunch of things that are missing and holes everywhere, and that you fill them with confetti, which I feel like a lot, for a lot of people would get very old very quickly. That said, the animation when Mario throws confetti is very cute, so I like it. <laughs> but um but the puzzle solving with it is very 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 basic in that you just see a thing and you go I need confetti for that you throw the confetti and you fixed it so it's not really you know very um compelling puzzle solving for that but I mean there's enough puzzle solving especially with the battles that I think that's fine yeah, but um it, it doesn't seem like any of those are real like brain teasers like it's not like asking you to do anything particularly uh complicated um yeah but so 
Is every encounter you have similarly structured where you're kind of figuring out these puzzles, mm-hmm. like you're doing the circle puzzles, or yeah. are there some that you can just kind of mash X or A or whatever and just kind of you get through could, it? Like if you wanted to, you could skip it, but um, lining them up uh, does uh, give you an attack bonus, um, and it gives you a coin bonus at the end, and then also. Um, you usually have like pretty limited number of attacks you can do. And I, from what I've seen, a lot of the enemy attacks, especially early on, are a lot more dangerous than maybe like in other kind of RPGs where uh, they might, if you say, like, decide, I'm not going to line anybody up and I'm just going to pick them off one by one. It would be um, like it, you could technically do that, but without the R- RPG elements, I don't know if there's any way to make that like sustainable mm. past some of the most basic enemies. And also, that would just be really boring, to be honest, um, because there, there's just because of, because of the way that they have this, there's just so many more enemies that they have on on the battlefield because you can uh, at least right now get four enemies at once basically with one attack. So if you're just kind of picking them off by one by one, it would be very, very slow and very, very kind of more dangerous. So it's like you could, but the other thing is that um, one thing that you, one of the collectibles around the world that you have is collecting toads that are everywhere and they can help you during the battles, partially by giving you health, partially by uh, injuring things, but also partially by like solving, like half solving the puzzles for you. So if sometimes you like, like last night, I was kind of tired. I was nearing the ending of my game session, and I was like, I don't want to do this puzzle. So I just uh, paid them enough coins so that they would. Uh, do most of it for me and I was like all right there we go so there's there's a lot I think there's a lot of elements where you can kind of do that or mostly get it and I think that the game does a good enough job in the beginnings where um like for the almost the entire first area you it, it will show you basically where like how how they're supposed to look if that makes sense and then jump to their new space locations so you can kind of see okay i need to get it back to that whereas then later they don't have do that at all so that you have you have more trying to figure out okay what's the best optimal positioning but yeah it's uh it's i think i think it's fun and i i'm actually i'm enjoying it it's just again like coins are in very very high supply um both in the overworld both in you know, getting in and defeating any enemies. So it's like, there are a lot of times where I'm like, I could fight that enemy, but I don't really feel like it. So, um, yeah, because I, I, the uh, Mushroom Kingdom economy has gotten kind of messed up in that it seems like there's been some serious inflation going on because I had about 12,000 coins before I bought my first item. So... Um, but I mean, they all cost a little bit more than they would otherwise, but it's, uh, but it's still, it feels like you're getting them constantly for like, 
especially since a lot of the confetti puzzles are puzzles with very strong air quotes. Uh, What they do is if they aren't like unlocking an area for you, they give you coins. So it's like there's just like so many different ways to get coins that it's like. Makes them feel really inconsequential, which I think is a shame because I think that the then new ideas work, especially again in boss battles where you're where the boss is in the center and you have to navigate around to hit different areas and hit different weak points on the boss. It it, it's it's really fun. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, it does kind of make sense, though, if they're converting the RPG elements to coins, like right. in that, like your abilities or like the stuff you would traditionally upgrade with XP or like upgrades trees or whatever. Like now, you're just doing that as uh, discrete coin purchases. That makes sense because yeah. you're not you're not really paying attention to the fact that oh, I have. Four hundred thousand XP points, and like for my next level, I I need another twenty thousand. You're like, oh no, I'm level thirty. Oh yeah, um, and and, and Mario yeah. RPGs have always been pretty light on the RPG elements in general. Um, I say as, as somebody who has, still hasn't played Super Mario RPG, so uh, that could be wrong there. <laughs> uh, but um, but like Paper Mario is as a series, like the RPG elements are usually pretty. Basic, like you're not upgrading skill trees. You're not, you know, going through and upgrading discrete uh, attack points, special attack, or whatever. Like there's, there's not that. So, to an extent, I agree. Um, I'm just at the point where I, I've, I've never been at a point where I haven't had more coins than I know what to do with. So that might just be and early in the game. In, in life, in our Super Mario. <laughs> no, I wish in life. No. Um, but it, I, I'd like to, uh, yeah, I'd, I, I, I hope that in, it, later in the game it starts being more of a thing because I'm at the point where I'm buying literally every accessory I can in the store. I have like multiples of every item and I'm like still overrun with coins. So, but, uh, but also the, it also you do need the confetti. So, Sometimes it's the, that's the fastest way to get it is through a battle. So it's yeah, but I think that's really the the weakest part, and I think that's the I mean that's from what I've seen has been the most divisive part is is the RPG elements. But I mean that's kind of always been kind of an area of contention with with Paper Mario fans. So, uh, but uh, I think it's all it's just also. Uh, it's 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 been a really fun time so far. Like I, that was another game where I was up way too late last night because I was just really having a good time with it. Uh, the one thing that's been kind of interesting to follow for the past couple of days have been uh, interviews with the um, uh, uh, director of the game in particular, but also just like hearing about the various rules that Nintendo has about what you can do in a Paper Mario versus not that kind of make no sense to me. Um, Like, I'm trying to figure out how the exact thing uh, was phrased. Um, Basically, they can't create characters in Paper Mario that will cross over to 
other Mario games, apparently. So, like, the your main companion who you hang out with, um, Olivia, who's really, who's really, really great. Um, she's a really fun character. Uh, apparently won't be able to go to any of the other mainline uh, Mario games. But also, apparently, they can't... Uh, can't... Um, let's see... Modify... Mario uh, existing Mario characters oh, but, it, to a certain but, extent. Um, but, but they folded up Bowser into a little little, little square. Yeah, apparently that's okay. That's but a like, pretty heavy it, modification. It, it is, <laughs> but like uh, there's, it's very, very weird. I'm, I'm trying to find the justification, like w- w- the article. Or they can't what, like say give Mario a gun. Right. Well, they, yeah. They, they but can't also, like, give all they don't the have toads, as much freedom as Ubisoft. They can't give all the toads masturbation schedules. Oh God! Oh, God, why has that become what this episode's about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, uh, okay, yeah. Since Paper Mario Sticker Star, it is no longer possible to modify Mario characters or create original characters that touch on the Mario universe. Um, so they can't like take a character like like um the first uh, paper mario uh companion that you get in uh um in like the original paper mario is goombario who has a hat he has like uh, square teeth instead of kind of the thing type teeth that a goomba has and and looks different than a goomba like you couldn't do that in this one and i'm uh, like i've why I've seen it suggested that because they're opening up like Super Mario World and stuff like that, they're trying to just mm. here are here is the Mario canon. Here's the Mario uh, design, yeah. And Which, here are the Mario characters you know and love. None of this. No, you're not going to see the Origami King at uh, Super Mario World at you know at Universal Studios because that's not a canon Mario character. Yeah. So like, like that. So like the char- but but then. I think they're trying their best to like work within the um this restrictions that they have. Um like I met uh, a Bobom who uh is nicknamed Bobby and I love him so much. He is a good character and I'm very happy about him and also the other characters that we've met so far. But at the same time you're kind of like it it's frustrating that there are those restrictions. Especially mm-hmm. since it's like, yeah, uh, like I, I don't think that those necessarily make all the most sense, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it. I I feel like there's definitely like some uh, reservations I have, but a part of me doesn't know to what extent is that because of the fact that I love Paper Mario so much. Like if I, I I like I've tried I've tried to think of if I was just playing this as my first Paper Mario game and I didn't know any of this outside stuff how would I think how would I feel about it and I I I don't know I, I but I I think that it's it's very very fun and I'm I'm really really enjoying it so I hope that you know I can kind of view the game partially as a fan of the series but also partially from a distance. But but even still, even viewing it as a fan of the series, it really does have a lot of the fun charm and character of Paper Mario. Um, 
And I, and I've, I've really enjoyed that. Like there have been, like, I, I laughed at a joke pretty within like a few minutes of the game starting. Uh, and, uh, early, early on you're hanging out with uh folded Bowser and he's like just giving running commentary. Uh, and Peach shows up and he's like, she can't see me like this. And it's very, very good. So, um, there's, there's enough, uh, there's a lot of, just like there's a lot of really good things there, so it's been cool. So I'm I'm really excited to see where this game goes, and I'm like as much like kind of quibbles I have of it. So um, I'm ex- I'm excited to see future areas. Um, the other thing too is that it looks really really good. Um, all of the paper textures and all of the origami looks really great, uh, and the music is just great the music is really really good there have been a couple of times where i've just been walking around and i've been like i just want to kind of hang out and listen to this music for a while so that's that's been really really nice um and i'm i'm uh either like that they can keep up the paper mario series especially since um mario and luigi may or may not like is probably not going to be going on anymore sad face um and then also um Please, Nintendo, port Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door to Switch. That's what I want. All right. Well, we'll save your other game for next week if you still want to talk about it, because we're already going long. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, But real quick check-in, continuing my brief chat from last week about Yakuza Kiwami. I finished it today. Uh, after taking like a two and a half year break, I put that game down in 20, like January of 2018 and came back to it and j- this month. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? There's like a missing lady and there's this, this nine year old girl. I've been in prison for 10 years. My blood brother is now like one of the top people in the Yakuza, but he's like trying to kill me maybe. Something, and something real estate. No, not in this one. No real estate. That's that's Yakuza Zero. There's oh, more real oh, estate. Yeah, that's right. There, there's plenty of real estate in the other games, I believe. But uh, that was that was the big thing in uh, Yakuza Zero. Yeah. But it's the I believe that Kiwami and Kiwami Two mm-hmm. are built on the Yakuza Zero engine, and it they're. Mm, yeah so so uh in terms of like the combat at least kiwami uh, it's taking a ps2 game and recreating it in this new engine but mm-hmm. it's they added and they added a stance so there's like four stances they they added the dragon stance but i didn't find it all that useful maybe if i had upgraded it more it would have been more useful you go uh you upgrade it by going around town and having majima ambush you through the majima everywhere system if you recall that being uh one of the selling points of this uh remaster and he he literally anywhere you're like hey this like cab is just like parked and shaking and i walk up to it and sometimes you're like oh i found an item and sometimes majima is like aha i got you and then you have to fight him in the middle of the street or you're walking along and he's like, I'm going to pop out of this manhole and <laughs> start a fighting you. Or I'm just going to walk up and get real close behind you. 
so yeah, that that stuff's a real goofy. That relationship between those two characters is real good because Kiryu is just like, why are you like this? Why why don't you leave me alone? And Majima just wants to fight him because reasons, I guess, because anime reasons. Uh, so that stuff's real good. Uh, thinking back on it as a PS2 game is, I think, pretty impressive. Uh, just in terms of like the amount of stuff that is available for you to do in that in the open world. It's granted it's a contained space. But there's like a lot of variety in mini games and stuff that you can go and do. Like there's the pocket circuit racing. There's like darts and billiards and uh, karaoke and side quests, like 70 side quests and all that stuff. It's these games are very robust. And they've also been making like the same game, like so many of the like 20 years. yeah, it's but it's like so many of the points like so it's the same map and like they branch you out to different places like, oh, this in like three, you go to Okinawa and two, you go to Osaka a few times, which was also in zero. But you were switching back, but uh, back and forth between who you were playing in zero. Mm-hmm. And but like even down to like some of the story stuff, like the locations, like you end up in Millennium Tower a lot. It seems like uh, it's just like all the all the yakuza are like, "Yep, nope, got a big thing going on in Millennium Tower. You better go have a big climactic fight there." Oh, there's helicopters uh, and stuff like that is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, so it's just like they just really keep coming back to the same like set pieces. Which if they set set it in the same locations, I guess they're bound to do that. But it's still very good and satisfying, and I think the story is real good in Kiwami, and I look forward to playing through the rest. So, yeah. Uh, Wait, sorry. Yakuza Kiwami on two. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the rest being Yakuza The rest Kiwami of the Yakuza, yeah. The Yakuza, or no, or I finished just... Yakuza Kiwami and the rest of the Yakuza games, because uh, I have played zero, six, and 1 now. Uh this right. is the machete order and uh yeah so i know like the fate of some characters like i'm like oh i know this character isn't around in the future so that they're probably not going to make it much further um we, you know there's some bad tropes in there but also it's an old game so sure mm. but yeah so i'm gonna i picked up yakuza kiwami 2 on the steam sale just in time for them to announce it's coming to game pass <laughs> yep. uh this month <laughs> On PC, uh, so maybe I'll just return that. I haven't played it at, at all yet, so <laughs> yeah, it's probably reasonable. Yeah, but also, yeah, we'll see. And it wasn't super expensive, but with fifteen bucks, you know, who knows? Uh, so there's that, and I don't know when the other games are coming to PC yet. They haven't said anything, as far as I know. But it would be nice to get those all done before Yakuza seven comes out i don't think that's going to happen they're pretty long games and i always end up taking like a pretty long break uh in between like starting and finishing them but i think like for the first like eight chapters it took me like six hours and then it ends in like chapter 13 which is their like normal is it ends in chapter 13 i ended with like 25 hours 
Right. So there's a lot happening. Like they move you through the first part of the game pretty quick. And then a lot like it kind of lets you loose in the back half or the back third or something. Back God, third chapter wise, at least. God, that reminds me of Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> yeah. Like, specifically, you can, yeah. Specifically how like the first nine chapters are like, it'll take you like. 10 to 20 hours and then like there's some chapter I forget what it is 10 or 11 that's like literally 20 or 30 hours on its own (laughs) yeah yeah. there's nothing like that here it's mostly just I I don't know I was just going through the story pretty quick at that point I don't know what it was I did like just over half the sub stories it's they're real hard to come across even just like running all over that town at all times unless you like really partake in every single side activity which some of them like i don't want to play mahjong i don't want to play go i don't think go is actually in the game but i don't want to play mahjong i i don't have the mental capacity to learn the game and you're talking about actual mahjong like not not what we in north america think mahjong is yeah yeah (laughs) yes so but it's awesome that all that stuff's in there and but it would be nice if they had kind of modernized some menus and stuff a little bit more because like like oh i failed to thing. i have to back out all the way and then go through all the menus again and stuff like that that's why i stopped playing it and i stopped playing it pretty early on because it just felt old even though it looked new and mm-hmm. just, it's kind of just hard for me to want to put myself through that <laughs> that's totally fair i've been thinking about watching like all the cutscenes, like on like mm-hmm. youtube that's not or whatever a bad way to do it i don't right think. yeah because so then like, that way you know yeah. when the new ones come out like and start there it, again it's got some real good uh real good just story moments like cutscenes of just like Kiryu kicking doors open and people being on the other side and being flung across a room or there's one where you go to uh go to like a restaurant where there's a rival gang and you're like I'm here to see the leader and they're like I don't know who that is and then some guy behind the counter is like I'm gonna pull out a gun and Kiryu just grabs the waiter that's next to him is like nope human shield and then throw gets that guy gets shot and then throws him at the guy with the gun and it's just it's all ridiculous and everyone's yeah. like Kiryu, and, never, and, Kiryu never kills people and saying eh, I don't know and, about that I don't know about he that. people a lot <laughs> and the thing is Yakuza has always been ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean this is the first game just remastered. It's but yeah, it just never really caught on in the West for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah like are you are... finding? Sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, please go for it. Um, just that I found when I was playing Zero and uh, and Six, but um, that it was a lot of the side stuff is where the magic is, and I'm kind of like part of me wants to play force myself to play those games just to see all that stuff but also i don't want to play mahjong either oh yeah uh you could but luckily that's only a small part of it and for you uh because some of the combat can get a little tedious especially in kiwami uh at least uh seven is turn-based combat all right okay which is strange i can get behind that Uh, supposedly it's really it's a really good game uh so i'm looking forward to playing that and they've got like weird summons like i'm gonna dial a cell phone number and a bunch of lobsters are gonna fall from the sky 
So. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> yep. So I'm excited for that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm probably going to stream some Yakuza Kiwami 2 over the summer because I got summer break coming up. So you can tune into that, Erica, and see all that. Will do. Just watch the cutscenes. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, things I might not be tuning into uh, is some stuff in the news like another oh Ubisoft forward. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Like, they say there's going to be another one. I. I don't know if they I don't know if I need another one. That's what they a, got. That was a very abrupt transition. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I you think know, I was still uh, kind of like reeling of like, wait, what? <laughs> that's okay. That's uh, we're we're on a we're we're running long today. Yeah, but yep. no, that Ubisoft forward. For maybe for people who care about Ubisoft, it was great. But for someone like me who doesn't care about Ubisoft, boy, was that a chore. I care about Ubisoft. I care about pretty much every game they listed there, as in I will probably buy not Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. You, 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 not you. Um, uh, but but like I'm excited about Far Cry Six because I like Giancarlo Esposito, and that trailer was really cool. Uh, well, it was good. Um, and I'm excited for Watch Dogs Legion to an extent. Um, I'm excited for AC Valhalla. That event sucked. Yeah, I. It was just yeah. their. E3 presentation from last year. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not interested even in playing Ghost Games too, and I'm like, I specifically just was like, you know, I don't need to watch this, and it was the right call for me. Also, yeah, that was. Tom Clancy's Elite Squad thing. There was a oh. very long trailer for that in which they break the bad guy from Ghost Recon Wildlands out of prison <laughs> and give him a gun, which I don't understand. But, but, I didn't finish the story or pay attention to it in Wildlands because it sucked, but. <laughs> But it's it's, just, it's also about who broke him out. I don't even remember. Was it Sam Fisher? Sam Fisher. It was Sam Fisher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but and we knew he was in the game already. Yeah, but it seemed like they were trying to like make it like this big reveal. They like had him repel, and then they like show his like stupid night vision goggles with the three dots, and they're like, "Oh, I am the I last person who's going to dunk on games adopting uh, alternative art styles from their previous stuff." Like, sure. I'm not the kind of person who's like. It's Tom Clancy, so it's got to be hard. But also, <laughs> huh. that's it, it's also Tom Clancy, so it feels like it shouldn't. I don't know. It was dumb. It shouldn't be that's cartoony. All I have to say about that. Tom Clancy's Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, th- there was there was a lot in this that was ill advised, like well, the Holocaust poem with the watchdogs. Oh yeah, that was that not one. not to mention you know the kind of dynamic around Ubisoft over the past couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that too. And how especially they since they, they basically just tweeted like, "Hey, we're, we're we won't things are say happening." Anything. Yeah, they're, saying, yeah. <laughs> they're like, "We're not going to say anything about this, but we acknowledge yeah. it happened, but we're not going to say anything during the stream about it." Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's like great. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I yeah. I think the thing with the like the Watchdogs short film, if you want to call it, that's what they referred to it as. Yeah, I will yeah. say I agree that it's a little weird to use that poem. I also see that poem used as a meme on Twitter all the fucking time. So I think like if you are someone who uses that poem as a meme on Twitter, you should probably not do that either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. That was. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of meaning has been sucked from that particular thing. So it's just the whole thing around that was weird. 
but yeah, we don't have to talk about the Ubisoft forward for much longer. But the Watchdogs Legion trailer, I kept expecting it to be better, or like the gameplay stuff, because like I'm not sorry, better is the wrong word. Like to show some kind of new system, because honestly, it was showing exactly what we knew two years ago. I yeah. also think I heard a justification. I think it was just speculation on Waypoint. They were speculating that maybe they didn't go into the rampant um, sexual assault and workplace harassment issues at Ubisoft on the stream because people who aren't in the know wouldn't know about that. Yeah. So uh, like, yeah, they uh, wanted it, not for like mainstream people who don't follow the industry. I think it's interesting yeah. that they that I would think that that is probably a correct assessment or, or assumption about why they might not have gone into it. But they also made a big deal about Clint Hawking being on watchdogs Legion, which is like, if you're a mainstream consumer, do you know who that is? Uh, which was funny to me, the whole pacing of the thing mm-hmm. and everything in it was so weird. And like, yeah. It, and then like all of the AC Valhalla stuff was, I mean, the game looks really good if you like those games but there was all the gameplay yeah there's all the outrage there's all the outrage at the microsoft thing that they didn't show real gameplay and i was very puzzled by that because like you know what that game is if you go look at gameplay of assassin's creed odyssey and imagine that it's going to be vikings instead that's the game (laughs) and then guess what they showed real gameplay and that's the game (laughs) like i don't know it was just weird all around yeah but there's like some other different stuff in there, like castle sieges and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it, yeah. it'll have new elements, I'm sure. But I don't know what people were expecting from a like. Well, when they're like, oh, it's yeah. the next gen Assassin's Creed. You know, you want to see something. But it's also going to be on current gen. I think the biggest thing for me came after the event, uh, after the Far Cry 6 reveal. Uh, John Carlo Esposito. Uh, it seems to be some sort of South American dictator. Uh, Looks like it's like John Carlo Esposito is Danish. Uh, oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, which just kind of—it's a diverse country. <laughs> yes, but also Denmark is not the South America or like Central America, even. Yeah. Uh, wow. So. That's Danish born. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if as maybe his parents are, and he was just born in Denmark. Uh, no, yeah, American Italian, American Italian. Like that's weird. Come, I don't know. Come Only on, Ubisoft. I don't. I don't. I yeah, don't know. He's also very recognizable. So, like, I think the thought is more. Yeah, it's a but little said weird it to, in. To, Set it in Italy. Set it on uh, Mount Vesuvius. I don't know. But I think the idea. It's a little weird to cast him <laughs> as a you know Fidel Castro kind of stand-in. Uh, which uh, probably have like Breaking Bad to partially thank for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's all it's all weird. Yeah, so he is Italian, half black, and Italian. I don't know. Okay. I'm at, he is, he's American Italian. Uh, there was a better American event Italian. than the Ubisoft one yeah. that also happened. Yeah. Uh, there was a, the, the event was better, but boy, did they not show very much. <laughs> no, I mean, the stuff that they showed was good, but like. Uh, damn, I didn't know everyone loves Stadia now. 
That's the most deafening silence I've ever heard. I, I was like, wait, did my, did my audio cut out? It was, was the, like, it was our pre-moment of silence for when Stadia is dead in eight months. <laughs> uh, no, it's what what you were actually talking about was, was the Devolver showcase yeah, thing. Which, yeah. is, which yeah. continued the Devolver <laughs> cinematic universe. Uh, I, I super Brothers don't understand lives. the Devolver cinematic universe. I don't know if I do. I watch Everyone it every year. Enjoy. I watch it every year, and I'm like, there's all this stuff that they're doing, and I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. But, still never but then Nina Struthers comes back, and I'm like, Nina's video. back. Nina's the, back. The, the actor who plays Nina fucking ripped this year. She was she so goes good. all out. I love her. <laughs> I've never watched one of their shows in totality, because it doesn't really... I, I I usually turn tune in and I'm kind of like this isn't grabbing me, but I'm so glad that they do something really weird because <laughs> somebody should. It it's worth watching her speech from the end of this one, <laughs> which was yeah. like halfway legitimate criticism of the modern state of the video game industry, and then half just really good acting. <laughs> like yeah, it, was it was crazy. Like- Sounds like Devolver. Yeah, it was a very fun. It was a very very fun thing. They didn't show too much out uh, off, but I mean, like the games they showed off, I think look pretty fun. Like I think Carry On looks really good, so I'm excited yeah. to give that a shot. Which is apparently coming out next week. Um, yep, Serious Sam looks like Serious Sam. Yeah, they made a uh, they made a game to go around and look at trailers yeah. and stuff. Devolverland yeah, Expo. A, apparently, apparently it is it like it's its own game, like you were saying, Andre. Yeah. But like apparently, like it does have its own arc, and apparently the ending is really good. Huh. Okay, <laughs> I, I like I haven't played it yet, but uh, now I, I feel like I probably need to go play it. Yeah, like apparently it's actually really good, which is surprising. Weird, interesting. Yeah, because no, like last weird. year they did Devolver Bootleg. Yeah. Which was, uh, yeah. which I I played actually not an insignificant amount From of their the like developers of Gato Roboto. Yeah, and uh, Devolverland Expo is a first-person marketing simulator. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I don't need to play this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it is very Devolver is is what I think it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had a lot yeah, of guests yeah. too. Um, they did. It was they weird. Had, I was like, had, like uh, Shuhei, Jeff, Jeff Keeley, uh, Sonic uh, Fox. He'll show up on anybody. Like Jeff Keeley will show up for anything now. You just have to it's ring true. the Dorito bell and he appears. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's never have. going to r- r- live that down. No, he's not. I would let him live it down if he would stop putting his foot in his mouth. <laughs> God. Anyways, I don't even hate the sticking guy, his but... whole ass out there. His Dorito yeah. dust covered ass. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyways, it was a good event. Yeah, it was fun. I okay. I enjoyed watching it. Well, uh, let's let's finish out the trifecta then and uh, talk about how Google Stadia is oh kind of oh, dropped the, the ball again. Yeah, uh, we can keep talking did, about this every did, two weeks when they drop the ball again. What, dro- yeah. what ball? Is, what ball? Why they are haven't we dropped so- a ball? They haven't held the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they never caught the it's first fair. pass. Yeah, it's just they they're like Charlie Browning themselves with like the football. Uh, they just they're not really everyone's they're waiting Charlie for Browning. them to 
like announce something like big and cool and they're like we got some old games yeah yeah i don't know like like uh they've got you know they said oh hitman 3 will be coming uh i don't i can't remember if they said something about cyberpunk especially given the x cloud announcements that happened this week yes which we'll definitely get stadia's stadia's in is kind of screwed at this point like Like, i don't uh, see how they have any way forward yeah like um i was after these events and in general when anything stadia comes up i tend to look at their communities to see how their like Mm -hmm. biggest fans feel about them like are they like, oh yeah, that event was everything I wanted, or like, yeah, Stadia, you're kicking all the butts. But um, after every event, the Stadia community is like, why do we keep supporting this? This is shitty. Yeah, the, like, like, the <laughs> response like even, in like even the, from their yeah. hardcore fans of Stadia yeah, are like even mm-hmm. the biggest fans. They're just like, this was a bad event. How are we ever going to grow this platform? How's Google ever going to grow this platform into something cool if it's just going to keep being like this? And then it's yeah, it's. I don't know. I I maintain that I don't think Stadia is going to last very long. Like, I mean, they because Sony had their big thing, uh, where like their big coming out party for the PS5. Yeah, Microsoft has theirs ne- this week coming up, and s- s- Google is just in the middle, like, "Hey guys, it's the same old bullshit you've been playing." And they they out. announced a few like exclusives, but here's Sekiro. You can pay full price for it again. Yeah, <laughs> and it, play it in the worst way possible, streaming it in a game yeah. that is very timing sensitive. Yeah. Uh, it's what you want, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. weird. Yep. Well, uh, Alex mentioned it. Uh, Project xCloud, the big news coming from Microsoft. Next month, uh, Project X Cloud is getting rolled in, like released, rolled into Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate, a- Xbox Live. Ult- what do they call it? The Ultimate uh, thing, Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game Game Pass Ultimate. <laughs> Game Pass Ultimate. Uh, yes. Game Game Pass Ultimate, which is the Xbox Live, PC, and co- uh, console Game Pass package. You also get X Cloud with that. I don't know if there's going to be like some separate offer to just have X Cloud where you do your own games. I'm not sure. Probably. Um, oh, your own games. I don't know about that. But so they taught Phil's talked about like kind of extensively that the idea of streaming your games off of your Xbox to other devices is part of the X cloud picture. So okay. like if you own a game on Xbox, it will, you can boot your Xbox and play games running on it from a yeah. hotel room with a laptop or something. Yeah. But um, and- even outside of that, like, because they've said that's like a thing they have to work on that with the consoles and if they yeah, haven't yeah, yeah, yeah. been testing that but is it just like okay i i subscribe to x cloud i don't have game pass but i can play halo on my phone or whatever uh because i pay i bought halo i own it i just I, i'm not at my xbox no idea. i think what this is going to do is or the way this is going to work for a while at least it's just it's part of game pass that's kind of been my yeah assumption is that it's just going to be a thing that is part of game pass for a mm. while yeah and for what it's worth i think we on this podcast have been saying that xcloud should be part of game pass for probably around a year if not more now yeah so, it's 
we've talked so, about it for long enough that I feel like I can't remember if somebody said it was going to be like from Microsoft at some mm-hmm. point, and we or if we uh, no, I don't it should be. I, I, think, I don't think, I think they would have done that. I think it's the latter. I think we've always been like it would like if they did that. Rule. Like why a why would you ever get an Xbox and or, like a new Xbox system because yeah. like PC if you have a PC at least and then well because then you're like throwing. You're kind of spending a weird amount of money because <laughs> you're like, I'm paying for Xbox Live and console Game Pass, and I don't own a console. But then well, you've got the streaming stuff, so it's I don't know. It's and a again, weird if you live in the US, thing. the streaming solution stuff, like I'm never going to really be able to use it. Yeah, because the data cap stuff is way too aggressive to be able to to realistically. Mm-hmm. That's fair. In. So, yeah. Anyways, it's a good uh, move. Yep, and uh, part of that. There's actually some, I don't think we talked about this last week, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is coming out this next month, August, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, God. Next uh, month is August? Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> when did that happen? We're already more than halfway uh, through July. Uh, what? We are? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Uh, and less than halfway through social isolation quarantine. Ah, oh, yeah, toot toot, motherfuckers. Choo choo. Um, as if there's ever going to be a halfway through. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's you know economy. if you're you move halfway to the thing, and then as long as you're always moving halfway towards halfway, you'll never reach the thing. I don't Two know. steps forward, one step back. It's, no, it's just moving halfway. You're constantly there's moving. A super, there's a super half a distance. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. There was a super hot thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Microsoft Flight Simulator. uh, There was some shenanigans with it and like the Game Pass stuff. I don't know. You have to pay one hundred and twenty dollars for like some airports. It's it's frustrating because there was a talk about. I swear, when they unveiled Game Pass Ultimate, one of the features they talked about was you get the Ultimate Edition of games. Yeah. Because I remember Gears, they did that. Yes. And that. and Forza and stuff. Yeah. And that is not the case with Flight Simulator. It almost seems like if you look at the Flight Simulator website, they're passing it off as, hey, this isn't a Microsoft game. We just, the name's on the box, but it's not, and it isn't. It's not an internal Microsoft team that's making it. Um, so it's not a first party Microsoft developer that's making it. So I think they're trying to pass it off as, hey, this isn't technically a Microsoft game, even though it says Microsoft Flight Simulator. And it's a little weird because, like, you get the $60 version of the game if you have Game Pass. And uh, then you can get additional planes. It's also complicated because, like, this game models the whole world. So you can go to any airport in the world that exists that's, like, registered as an airport. But they have hand modeled specific airports that are the most trafficked airports in the world to make them more realistic. Mm-hmm. And so you get more of those hand modeled airports that replace what would be generic airports. If you buy like fancier editions of the game, that sounds and then very you also dumb. Get more planes. <laughs> so there, there is precedent for this. Like in the past it's, it's, it's very dumb if you're looking at it from the outside as not like a flight sim enthusiast. In the past, Microsoft would put out a flight simulator game when they didn't have the ability to kind of generate the world from the satellite data. They still use satellite data in the past, but they didn't have the topographic data they have now. Um, and what would happen is 
you would buy like Flight Simulator X for $40 or whatever the cost was when it came out. And everything that Microsoft made. And then you would go and buy an add-on for like, sometimes you could spend like $80 to get a single airport. That was like a third party add-on. And so, and the same thing with planes too. Like they had third party paid add-ons that you could buy in a box from a store. Um, and so there is precedent for additional um, like content costing money. It's just been developed by third parties in the past rather than Microsoft. So like from a cost effective perspective, this isn't that bad. The pricing that they're charging. The problem from that I have with it is like, it doesn't seem like it should. It seems to me like it should be part of that game pass ultimate thing to get the ultimate edition. Yeah. And then even worse, they said, they've said that you'll be able to upgrade your edition, but it's going to cost more money. You can't just buy the $60 version and then pay another $60 to get the, the deluxe edition or the, the ultimate edition. It will cost you more money in the long run to upgrade. They haven't said how much it will cost you to upgrade, just that it will be more. Mm, so on their page, they're like, on their page, on the page, they're like, there will be options for upgrading in the future. However, the most cost-effective way to upgrade is to purchase the version you're interested in, which is like really shitty in my opinion. So a lot about the launch of this thing sucks. It's it's like not great. I also feel like it looks utterly incredible and that's great, but I have not heard anyone comment on the flight model. I haven't heard anyone comment on things to do. Like, we don't know if there's, if the idea is you just get in the planes and fly around, which is enough for a lot of enthusiasts, but like, it's just there's so little known about the game right now um, beyond it looks really pretty and it uses Bing maps to model the world. So I think they're a beta soon. There's a closed beta at the end of the month um, that I'm hoping to check out. Um, and, uh, I'm excited to my current plan is since I have game pass anyway, I'm going to play the $60 version a bit and see Mm -hmm. if it's worth putting money into. And then I guess buy the $120 version if I really like it, because I do love flight sim. Like I have, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of equipment that I specifically have purchased in the past to play it. So, you know, I'm, I'm a casual enthusiast, but it is a weird release. Are you going to get the physical edition? That has ten DVDs. <laughs> DVDs. Uh, that's 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 thinking low. I think they're Blu-ray discs, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are. They're probably Blu-rays. That's so. It's so weird because it's not the the install isn't that huge. I don't think. I wonder if it's just is, that. Is it not? Oh, I guess because the maps oh. are streaming, right? Yeah. Well, so oh. their world map is two petabytes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. God. It's only possible because they use Azure servers to like stream the the data to you while you play, which is a whole other question. They haven't talked about the data use per hour for that either, which is again, I know I am the one who beats that horse a lot, but it's important to know um, if it's like playing World of Warcraft or something, then whatever. But if it's like streaming 4K video every time you play, like that's not going to work for me anyway. Um, These are ten layer DVD or double layer DVDs. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's it's it'll be interesting to see how this this release could be really really amazing, and that there's not a lot of data. Like I would think if it was really I think there's a lot of data. Yeah, 
I mean data in terms of people talking about it from like yeah. leaking stuff from betas. But I would think if it's bad that there would have been rumblings about that because I don't think that flight sim enthusiasts would be able to keep quiet who are playing it if it was really bad because that mm-hmm. community is like very exacting um, and like kind of pedantic at times. So like I, 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 I would assume that if it's got, if it's, if it's actually rough that they, that you would have heard something. Um, mm-hmm. And for them to still go ahead with a beta at the end of the month, that's really easy to get into. All you have to do is sign up for the Xbox insider program. Mm. Um, I would think they're pretty confident in it, but we'll have to see. Uh, I'm interested. They do for their ideal spec for it is a, is a, is a 2080. uh, And I think like a I nine, basically the most expensive current hardware you can get, including 32 gigabytes of Ram, (laughs) which is fucking wild. Uh, I've never seen any any anyone anywhere say, "Hey, you should have 32 gigabytes of RAM in a video game." Yeah, well, this is no video, no ordinary video game. That's true. It's got it probably just to help load those maps faster, right, Alex? Would that be a thing? <sighs> yeah, maybe yeah, load, load, load those texture map maps. Memory. Yeah. yeah, like All I right. imagine, I imagine if. We could get into it, but I imagine it's because you're streaming a lot of data to memory. Because yeah, if yeah. you're not storing it on a hard drive, where else are you going to put it? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for the Xbox news, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. PlayStation. They, uh, I think this is a PlayStation game. Uh, they, There was a, a tweet that went out oh. about a game. Um, oh. It's it's a multi-platform game. PlayStation multi-platform. put out a trailer that they and then, then okay. they, they, they then, yeah yeah they they, they deleted right away with, within I like half an hour. I, a smart I believe I saw that when it went up and I sent it to the chat. You did. You definitely I did. Didn't yeah. even, I didn't even look at it because I was like, nope, I don't need to see this I, based on the. I only so, watched it yesterday for the first time. So so so, so not to talk gamer around girl. it. Gamer girl. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much there is to say about this. It's. Yeah. Looks bad, Erica. You it, feel like it looks like you have something to say. I have everything and nothing to say. About that game. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like the worst idea, and the fact that the devs are getting really defensive about it on Twitter is also rubbing me the wrong way. It's not surprising yeah. at all either. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. Get to the devs are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, like, like they're, they're like yeah. they're, they gave like a co-writing credit to. The actress in that game because she uh, uh, improvised a lot. Improvised, yeah, yeah. Her, her lines, but they're using it. It's like, look at our girl. Here's our girl. We consulted with a girl. Here's our girl. Yeah, <laughs> and it, like, yeah. So like, this is too much. Like to, using to really, her as their shield, basically. It's yeah, to, it's yeah, very to, very weird. To briefly summarize, it's basically an FMV game, which is focused on a, a lady streamer. And you are playing as a moderator in her chat, basically, who's telling her what to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, she's getting she's getting like harassed by people and like and people showing up to her stuff. door. Yeah, yeah, people showing up to her door and stuff like that. And you're her yeah. only savior. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, I don't know if like I think the idea of an FMV game where you're like with a streamer. Yeah, and solving a mystery isn't a bad idea. I think that's a good idea. But like they, it seems like they're doing it in such the most ham-fisted 
kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like e- even the concept of hey, let's look at what it's like to be a woman streamer in modern yeah, days could, and the I'm kind sure, of bullshit you have to deal with. Sure, but yeah, the but way they're the doing I, it. <laughs> well, that's something I I'd, I'd really want to hear from like an actual woman. And it's like, that's why they're getting so defensive. Is like, here's the one woman that we have who's the actress. A woman? What do they know about Who did improv. (laughs) But like the rest of the dev team seems to be dudes, at least from what I've seen. Uh, Yes, yes. Also, a thing, (laughs) when I hear that that argument, not, not that I think you're making an argument, Alex, either. But when I hear that argument, one of the things that's so frustrating is that women are talking about what the experience of streaming right. is like. You can get that narrative from women who do it, but people always just work to like dismiss and silence those women. So it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm saying <sighs> in terms of like a game subject, a piece of narrative yeah, I, fiction. Oh, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I don't think yeah. it's a bad subject, and I think that having like an FMV game where you're looking at it through the lens of a streamer is actually like a fun idea. Yeah, it's you just think that like there is a universe out there where this is actually a good game. But it's like with a like different dev team and with a different. Yeah. I think more what I'm trying to get at is like if you're a team like let's say Alex, you and I find that topic really interesting, and we want to to fund and and do the legwork to develop that game. The first thing I would say is like here is a list of like actual people who might be interested in trying to develop that experience and hand them the creative reins if they wanted to do it, you know, like right. yeah. as a the, team the, of dudes, the first the thing, story. The first thing I would do is message my friend who's a streamer and for whom I moderate their chat and say, Hey, how would you handle this? And then make sure that like exactly. their suggestions are put. And then like one of the first things you do is like, Hey, like we, we gathered the, these kind of perspectives from people who actually have to go through this shit. Rather than being like, we wrote this story. We wrote the story, and now you guys are mad at us because we're not lady streamers. Rawr. Like, it's it's so stupid. If you look at like something like The Missing as a great example, Swery consulted with like a bunch of actual trans people to tell that story as something that's like not part of his life experience. And generally, the response that I saw from the trans community was pretty positive on the story of that game. Totally. Not across the board, no one's no group of people is a monolith, but um, you know, an approach like that maybe could make something like this interesting, but not to mention the fact that the first half of that trailer is like, this is kind of weird and creepy, but it's an interesting topic. But then it goes into like, Oh, and there's a stalker in the chat that is going to try to murder her. And then it turns into like just a normal ass FMV adventure game where you're telling her what to do as a dude, ostensibly. And it's just like, fucking come on. And I just feel like also the, just the, the culture around that stuff already kind of makes a lot of people who watch streamers, women streamers specifically they feel very entitled to like their lives already and controlling parts of their lives and hey i gave you money or hey i'm moderating your chat or hey i'm doing this for you so you should you know pay attention to me and do things for me and it just like it feels yucky (laughs) it just feels yucky all over yeah Mm -hmm. and and like i think there's a way that you could do it it's just like man this ain't um, it, fam. <laughs> not yeah. the time, not the format, not yeah. the not not the game. Yeah, because I think that talking about 
the way that a lot of people feel entitled towards their content creators or towards streamers in particular is not a bad thing to talk about because I mean no. that that certainly is a big problem, but everything about this just feels so ham fisted. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's anything particularly positive any of us could say about this. Like, other than it could be done better, but this isn't the thing that's going to do it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on to one more story. I'm gonna, we're going to cut a bunch here because we're coming up on three hours, unless people really want to talk about some of nope. this other stuff. Uh, there's, there's one I really want to talk about, but we'll get maybe we'll get there. Twitch had to tell the U.S. Army and other, uh, like the Navy, I think the Navy was also involved, basically the U.S. military, um, to stop sending people to bogus giveaway forms that were actually military recruitment pages. Yeah, they're like, hey, yeah. do you want a free Xbox One controller? Click this link, and then it would just bring you to like... Like oh, it recruit like sign up for the army. Oh it's actually illegal to do that. Yeah. What they did, like yeah. specifically for the military to do that too. Well, since when has the U.S. government yeah, cared about what's legal recently? <laughs> God, there that oh, Twitter God, presence that. that I've seen just based off of like people commenting on it and retweets has been it's horrible. Oh, I hope man, that it's bad. What I hope happens is somebody brings a suit. About yeah. that, and yeah. and files it against Twitch as well because Twitch was complicit in that. Twitch should ban that channel. It's <laughs> yeah. really what I feel. Yeah, but that would be a shitstorm for them. I'm I sure too. Think there is a suit coming because they banned people for asking about U.S. war crimes, and I chat. think that's actually the part that's fully illegal, not just the clickbaiting part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or at least a stronger case can be made oh about that. Yeah. So, it is, that uh, is, so that is an example for people listening of actual censorship when you ask a mm-hmm. government entity a legitimate question and then they silence your ability to continue to ask that question. Mm-hmm. That is actual government censorship <laughs> just by way of using Twitch mods to do it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, the U.S. Army on Twitch, get them the fuck off. Yep. How about just U.S. Army on any kind of social media? U.S. Army, just the whole, the whole U.S. Yeah. Army. Yeah. Just, just yeah. In the bin. Uh, in shut the it down. Yeah, but uh, man, just seeing that, uh, like that Twitter account go like, ooh, it was just horrible. Yeah. 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 Andre, well, I'm, I'm trying to call attention to one one thing we should talk about. And then we can the wrap it up, but this, I also need to, it's important. This, this is an important this, this piece of news. Not, this is not, this it's is an not important gaming. piece of if news. If this was Arby's, if this was Arby's, I would accept it. <laughs> this is an important this piece is of not, news. This is not gaming. Taco Bell's taking away all of the food that I eat. <laughs> Pat is going to wither away and starve. Yeah. what am I supposed to do? No so potato items? You will slowly hear less and less of him they're, on the podcast. No potato <laughs> items. They're getting, sorry, rid they're getting rid of all potato items. Yes. Yeah. No more potatoes at Taco Bell. They're getting rid of the triple layer nachos. So what do they do with the half pound potato they're burrito? Getting rid of, like, is it now it's gone. no longer it's half done. pounds? Gone. It's no longer exists. There's no more uh, loaded grillers at all. You can't get the beefy nacho griller either. There's no more griller items with there's no more items with Fritos in them available. Uh, they're getting rid of the quesarito. They're getting rid of the seven layer burrito. 
Like, it's Damn, ridiculous. I didn't know they were getting rid of all the stuff I eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Basically, need, you can eat tacos need this, now. You need to get this news out to the people. You can eat tacos. Is this just like a corona thing? Is it going to come back? No, it's a thing they do. They rotate their menu. This is Why do like, always get rid of the stuff that people like, though? I don't know. They get rid of the stuff uh, people like, I think. Well, okay. My theory is that they get rid of the stuff that people like because they know that you're still going to go there. And then next year they can be like, your favorites are back. And then you'll start. Yeah. Eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to, they're going to bring it back. Uh, yeah. But, but I'm like, I bet their like business is down right now. So it'd be like, okay, we're cutting stuff to I, cut costs. And I then actually, they just bring bet, stuff back. I bet it's the opposite because they were a place that very quickly as like a chain adopted like mm. coronavirus measures. I think, mm. I don't know from what I have seen, the Taco Bells in my area have only increased in business since the the pandemic ah. lockdown started because drive through is much. I think there's a perception that drive through yeah. is safer than going into restaurants to pick up food. Mm-hmm. And what are people going to do? Cook for themselves? No, no. they're just going to find easier ways to get other people to cook for them. Uh, so I don't know. I think maybe they're doing just fine, and they know that they're going to probably continue to do just the fine through the rest of this pandemic. And so this way they can goose the numbers next year when their profits fall after people can go eat at their favorite restaurants again. Which so, Taco yeah. Bell is no longer because they're taking away all my food options. As someone who has never been to Taco Bell, this is making me You're not, not want to much. go to Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. You're missing plenty. But they're just <laughs> removing it all. <laughs> now you're I, never going to have a burrito with a quesadilla as the tortilla. Oh, that sounds good. Make that yourself. Just make it. It is good. You can do it. I'm not making that at home. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's easy. There's so much work that goes into that. Buy a bag of shredded cheese, buy a bag of tortillas, and you just like, no. I mean, sure, if you're going to have a mess, but that's the cost of living, baby. Erica, you made a bad. I made a bad uh, dispenser for Taco Bell Diablo sauce packets during quarantine. <laughs> That's all I have awesome. to say about it. <laughs> sauce is still available. So I can go there and get one cheesy bean and rice burrito, one for a dollar, and make them give me an entire bag of sauce. And that's that's how I'm going to get my revenge on Taco Bell. Yeah, that's how you chain, do it. A single BZ chain. Uh, all right, well. <laughs> what? What, are you not a fan of the BZ chain? The hell's a BZ chain? Okay, so the cheesy bean and rice burrito. Oh, God. <laughs> no, wait, never mind. It's a beasy chain. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I don't, it's a beasy chain. That's what it is. Um, okay. All right. Well, that, that was a long one, and we didn't even get to all our news. I mean, I think they've uh, all been around three hours for the past two months. Yeah, it's been, it's we've been had, a long. No, we've, we've uh, cut down on a few recently, but. Uh, Have we? I don't believe you. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. we totally have. We've had like some two hours. We had one that was like ninety minutes, maybe. I oh swear. no, we've never had a ninety That's, minute. There's one. not a nine. There's not been a ninety minute episode in the year oh. in this calendar year. Like, yeah, maybe like when we first started, but now, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, let's, no. let's take let's take a peek. See here. <laughs> we I had a we had a we had a two minute episode not a month ago. Okay, yeah, okay, that like that doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, last week episode one sixteen. Gotta love the glove. April eleventh, twenty twenty. An hour and forty minutes, thirty seconds. Okay. 
Uh, Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Erica, it's great to have well, you back. Last week we love awesome. you when we yes, yes. We love having you back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. I'll be on next Very, week, too. Hell yeah. Uh, also joining us next week, I believe, will be Joel from the Super GG Radio podcast uh, to talk about yeah. the Xbox, Xbox event coming this week where they are going to show off some uh, games. They So apparently the pre-show is going to have some cool stuff from third parties. Just p- why is it in the pre-show? Put it in the show. The pre-shows are always bad because you have to listen to people talk about bullshit. Just... <laughs> If the games are so great and amazing, put them in the show. That's what people are going to watch. God. (laughs) Anyway, that's going to do it for episode 130 of the Gaming Fix podcast uh, on July 18th, 2020. You can find us, the podcast, on Twitter at Fix Podcasts. Or head over to podchaser.com slash gaming fix and leave us a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate it. Help us improve. You can send us an email at gaming at fix.space if that's what you're into. I don't know. Uh, you can find me, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite file format, on Twitter at coolslaw, C O O L S L 4 W. I'm going to work on trying to get to streaming, but that'll probably be after next week's episode. So, uh, yeah. You head over there and you can find uh, out when I start doing that. Allison, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. Great. Pat? Find me at EJC Plays. Erica? At Erica, spelled A-I-R-E-H-C-U-H. And Alex, where can people find you? You can see me following Erica at A-I-R-E-H-C-U-H on Twitter. (laughs) Great. Thanks for joining me, everybody. It's good to have you back, Erica. Thank you. It's good to be back. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.